Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. And I'm joined by some folks today. You know them. Writer, director, producer, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I actually cried watching something this morning. And we will talk about that. And that Sex in the City finale was really, really emotional. Yeah, but I cried for the wrong reasons in that. <laughs> and also sitting over beside him, he's joining you in the live chat today. He is the one and the only Mr. Ray Aura. Ray, how you doing? Hey, what's up? I'm crying right now. <laughs> You just can't tell. He holds his emotions in <laughs> very well. And sitting beside him, of course, is Chris Carr. Chris, how are you doing? I'm very even keeled. I, I just, I'm you're not just, emotional you're today. Just, you're I'm rock. happy to be here. Yeah. You're I'm an absolute rock, rock today. All right, guys, listen, we do have a number of things we need to talk about here today. I'm going to remind you guys, though, that if you need your daily fix of the John Campy Show, be campy in front of a YouTube video. Good news. There's the audio only version. We call it the John Campia podcast. Just go on your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for The John Campion Show, subscribe to it today so that podcast feed will be there exactly when you need it. Uh, I'm also going to make a little bit of an announcement here. We'll go into more details of it tomorrow, but I don't know if you guys heard, but there is a new Batman movie coming out. Are you kidding? What? I'm serious. Dead serious. Ben Affleck. I don't know. Michael Keaton. <laughs> Michael Keaton. I love Marvel. George Clooney. Kevin They're all Conroy. coming back. It's going to be like Spider-Man Way Home. No, of course. We got the new Battinson Batman movie that opens officially on March the 4th. Well, if you are a viewer of the John Campia show and you live anywhere in or around the Los Angeles area, we are going to do a John Campia show fan event screening of the Batman on we Friday, are? March the 4th. Can we call it May the 4th? Bat with you? Bat with I'll, I'll take that since we're not going to get Obi-Wan. No, we're I'm gonna, not a comedian. March the 4th. <laughs> Clearly. In my heart. You March are. the 4th, we are going to be doing a, 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 a John Campia fan screening only of the Batman. If you live in the LA area, we will give you details on tomorrow's show about how you can get uh, score one of the invitations to come and join us for that. And uh, we hope that you guys uh, who do live in the LA area will be able to join us for that. Wait, right, do we guys. have to do something special to get in? Yes, like, but we'll explain all that tomorrow. No, I mean like me uh, in this room. Uh, maybe. Are you sure? Maybe. Okay, okay, okay. There might be some, I don't know, some ballerina outfits. Whatever the outfit Ray was supposed to wear, if I had won that bet about the Spider-Man trailer. And you didn't. And no, I lost. I lost. Ended up eating some ketchup on eggs. But anyway, we will give uh, more information on that again tomorrow. And here's how today's show is going to go, guys. We break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we talk about some predetermined topics. And then in the second half of the show, we take your live comments and questions. You send in a live comment or question. If you're watching live, use the Super Chat feature in the YouTube chat, but get it in quick because it's already filling up when we only allow so many to come in before we have to turn it off. And it's already more than, well, more than halfway full. So make sure you guys get those in there quickly. Uh, I feel like there was something else supposed to say. Nope. So with all that down, guys, let's get into a couple of off the tops here, shall we? And our first off the top is this. One of my favorite film ch franchises of the past couple of decades growing up, because I would look forward to it every single year that it was coming out, or every single time it was come out, is the Austin Powers franchise. I love the Austin Powers franchise. It, it has been so mimicked 
since it came out. Like a lot of movies are trying to mimic the type of humor that Mike Myers brought to that character and a lot of different things about Dr. Evil and all that kind of stuff. And it is just seriously one of the most fun, enjoyable. If I just want to know, I got a couple hours to kill. I just want to know I'm going to have a good time. and I'm going to smile. I'm going to laugh. I'll pop in an Austin Powers, Austin Powers film. I love these movies. But we have been wondering for a long time, are we ever going to get a chance to see Mike Myers as either Austin Powers or Dr. Evil again? Well, there have been some whispers of the last over the last two years that maybe Myers is considering maybe doing another Austin Powers, which I'm not going to lie to you. I'm all for completely all for. And maybe we just saw our first taste of it. The Super Bowl is coming and they got the Austin Powers crew back together to do a General Motors commercial redoing a lot of the classic gags from from the uh from the movies that i just ate up i thought it was totally south you had seth green in there and i mean you got oh my goodness i gotta tell you i watched this thing and i was instantly (laughs) teleported back however many years ago it was that the last awesome powers movie came out i was instantly taken back i was just and when the commercial ended i'm like oh it was like being pulled back into reality And it reminded me, again, of how much I really want to see Austin Powers again. I really want to see him come back. First of all, we need Mike Myers back on the movie screen anyway. Like, giving us the next, not a sequel, I'm just saying the next kind of So I Married an Axe Murder, or or whether it's another Austin Powers. Love Guru 2. Well, that's the one that maybe (laughs) he could avoid. That's the movie that chased him away from the movie industry, unfortunately. But... Um, I watched this. I ate it up. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Chris, you had a chance to take a look at this little spot. I don't know if you had the same love with the Austin Powers movies as I did, but what did you think about it? I loved those movies as a kid. I thought they were great, and I always felt like I was getting into trouble by just going to see to watch them. Um, I loved them a lot. I also love that this is coming out on Robert Wagner's birthday. Oh, I did not realize that. That's kind of nice. Um, But seeing Rob Lowe in the number two role is always really fun, too. Getting Seth Green back in the mix i think this is hysterical and i'm with you i want another one of these movies i want more of them they were so fun rob you had a chance to take a look at this this morning i don't think you were as taken with it as i was but no, what no, did you no. think I about mean, it no I, I it's really it was really good it was really well done and i love the scene push the button no 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 no. I, I, I thought it was good look we need the skyfall of austin powers movies <laughs> I, I you know I'm, I'm looking forward to that what would that be? What would the skyfall of the austin powers movies look like gosh i, I and can, I, the big question would be can you get michael kane back as as his father that's uh, the big question I, you probably could i mean you know maybe uh uh maybe not skyfall the casino royale the reboot whatever it is bring austin powers back into the modern age somehow i'll tell you what i, I mean i've mentioned this before in the show but one of the i mean my all-time hardest laugh ever in a movie theater at any one moment everybody knows what i'm gonna say it was space balls when Rick Moranis, as Dark Helmet says, now Lone Star, you will see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. But not far behind that, as one of the absolute hardest I've ever laughed in a movie theater, was I believe it was the third Austin Powers movie, when Michael Caine, as the dad, says there's only two things in this world I cannot abide. One, those who are intolerant of other people's cultures, and two, the dutch and i just remembered i obviously i'm i don't do it any just the way michael kane does it but one of my absolute favorites hardest laugh thought i was going to pass out kind of moments ever so yeah anyway guys question is for you 
Did you have a chance to see this GM spot? For me, it brought back all the feels. I really liked what I saw. Whatever you guys think about it, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top here, shall we? And that one is this. Speaking of things that I am really looking forward to, uh, my number one most anticipated movie of the year may be The Batman, but my number one most anticipated thing to possibly come out on a television screen this year is not Moon Knight. <gasps> I know. What? It's it's not Obi-Wan. My number one most anticipated thing coming out this year is the Lord of the Rings series. Yeah. That I cannot wait for. Now, a couple of days ago, we talked about the fact that they released all these character posters, but all you really saw was you know their their nippy nips to their navels and their hands holding something. That was it was the hands holding something. Which usually series. is a pretty good thing when you think about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that can that can be a positive thing depending on the day and the context. But they have now actually put I think it was from the Vanity Fair photo spread. They have now actually put out the actual first photos uh, from the series that we actually get a chance to take a look at. Now, this again is from Vanity Fair, but we're lifting this off of uh, the good folks over at Screen Rant, getting a look at some of these images here. Uh, first of all, the, the yellow eyes, killing me. Yellow eyes, killing me, love it. Uh, then, of course, we get a little bit of uh, you know elven action going on. This looks like Yoda bringing the X-Wing out of the water kind of scene, <laughs> but obviously uh, there's something on the high seas going on. I don't know if that's supposed to be like a young Elrond. It is. Is that supposed to be it Elrond? Is. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. So a very young Elrond. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more of a, of a sense of the scenery. There we get our first peek at Gladriel, which I'm very excited to see. Uh, then we, again, just some uh, the idea about the world. We start to get a sense of the world. This looks interesting. These moose characters. By the way, what's the plural of moose? Meese. Mm -hmm. The meese? Mooses. Mooses? Probably mooses. Anyway, I'm Mouse. Canadian. You'd think I'd know this. But anyway, that looks very interesting to me. Uh, then again, we get then we start to get some behind-the-scenes stuff in here. A little bit of a sense of the scope. That I believe that's that's the soldier of Gondor, is it not? That's warrior Galadriel. Is is that Galadriel? Yeah, that's I her did. in her armor. Okay, so I totally take that back. I didn't think that was her. Uh then again, a good look at Dorf. Um, anyway, uh listen, I pulled this up today and I just grinned for about 15 minutes straight when I was looking over this. I cannot wait. This cannot get here fast enough. Chris, the only other person I know who's looking forward to this maybe more than me is you as the, the fur mother of Gimli, of Gimli son, son of, of Gloin. Gloin which what the last time I brought him up on the show, Logan sent me pictures of the dog with an ax, which oh I was like, God. why? This is so dangerous. That's so good. <laughs> anyway, you're looking at these images. I know you've been looking forward to the show. What do these do for your anticipation? What do you like? What do you don't like? What's standing out to you the most? I like everything about it. I'm so excited. This is my Christmas. And y'all know how much I like Christmas. <laughs> I am so, so jazzed about this. The young Elrond stuff I'm really intrigued by too, because I kind of want to see this rise to power that he's going to have here, that that political ambition of his, his relationship with Galadriel. I'm really, really excited about that. And I think the actor here looks fantastic. I'm so excited for this. Oh. He looks good in that. Rob, uh, you're having a chance to see these things. What's standing out to you? What are the I, images stand out to you the most? You know, to me, it has the look. The overall look. I love the casting. I love the faces. I love whoever this new half-elven guy is. You know, it, 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 it felt of the world. I mean, obviously, 
the, the, the difference from Lord of the Rings and even The Hobbit is that we had Tolkien's voice who he he we, we, he had written how those characters speak right we don't have that for the second age so for me like everything else john it lives and dies on the writing mm-hmm. and of course mm-hmm. the performances but but the writing in genre programming now is more vital than ever and especially with this so i'm hoping with the amount of money they spent on it it looks good and then of I, course we, as we've established here it is by more than double the yeah. most expensive television series in the history so of TV. So the look of this show should be unbelievable. I mean, it should be probably the greatest looking fantasy TV show ever. That could be torpedoed with one clunky line. Well, so I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping the writing is great. And I'm. they've certainly got the template. I hope they look at the Lord of the Rings films and, and they go back and they really study Tolkien's work. But having Galadriel, because she does get one of the rings of power. You see that at the yeah. very beginning of Fellowship. You know, she turns and has it in her hand. And how, how did that affect her? Absolutely. And it's going to be really interesting to see. I have to say, this: these pictures made me really excited, like you. I, I looked at these. How can you not look at these and go, okay. They do look great. Here we go. Uh, here we go. You know, and I have to say, John, these pictures might have given me more excitement than I've had. Like, I've been more curious than anything else. Right. But now I felt that twinge of like, oh. It's the tangibilization, this. Rob. Mm-hmm. It was. I was like, give it to me now. It's real and it's here. And we're going to get our first sneak peek at it here this weekend, which I'm really excited about. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Did you have a chance to take a look at these Lord of the Rings images? I think they look great. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this thing. Whatever you guys are feeling about it, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top here today, shall we? And that off the top is this. Already mentioned, Batman. Number one most anticipated film of the year for me. And apparently it is for a lot of people as well. We talked the other day on the show about how while the movie officially does open on March the 4th, they announced, they kind of came out of nowhere and surprised everybody that they were doing special IMAX screenings at I believe it's 360 locations across the country on March the 1st, three days before the official opening day on March the 1st. And we talked about it. We got our tickets. We're going to go see that bad boy. I'm very excited about that. A lot of you guys wrote in telling us that you were able to get tickets as well. And some of you weren't able to get your tickets, and that's that's okay. That's You're going to have to wait a couple of days, that's all, and then you'll be able to see them yourselves. But very excited. Well, apparently, there's probably a lot of people that weren't able to get their tickets because according to Deadline, the term they are using for how fast these tickets sold out was immediately. This comes up from the folks over at the Deadline who write the following. Uh, Warner Brothers put tickets on sale for the special preview of The Batman on uh, Tuesday morning to be held in IMAX on March the 1st. And the showtimes at 350 locations, I should say, sold out immediately. The preview is dated so that fans can watch the movie starring Robert Pattinson simultaneously with those attending the New York premiere. So the people at the premiere aren't going to be the really the first ones to see it. Everybody in those 350 locations are going to get to watch it at the same time the premiere is going on. The Matt Reeves-directed DC movie opens on March 4th with nationwide previews on March 3rd. Matt Reeves, the Batman, to come in. as well, That was another story. Our rival, our rival estimates believe we're in store for another 100 million plus opening again i'm i'm pegging it closer to 190 but we'll see opening with the batman in the wake of the uber success of sony's spider-man no way home which is on its way to becoming the third highest grossing movie of all time beating avatars i should say domestically uh beating avatar 760.5 million 
And they're banking now and hoping that the Batman is going to be able to catch that wave of momentum, jump onto it. Now, we've established that there are several reasons you cannot expect the same success that Spider-Man No Way Home had. This is a character that is in the midst of some confusion. We have the Ben Affleck Batman not long ago. We got Michael Keaton's Batman is coming around. Ben Affleck's Batman is back, apparently, for at least a little bit in The Flash. Now we've got Robert Pattinson's Batman. Then we got the Joaquin Phoenix Joker up there. So is that the Joker? Who's he? And is he that guy's Joker? This, so there's a little bit of confusion going on out there. Also, there's been a lot of, even though he's my favorite of all time, there has been some division over the reception of Ben Affleck's as Batman in that portrayal and whether people like that era of movies or not. So there's a little bit of that. Also, as you've pointed out, this is definitely a darker, more mature film. There may be some parents that are a little hesitant maybe to bring their families to go see The Dark Knight or to go see The Batman than would have to take them to go see Spider-Man No Way Home, even though there's some pretty heavy stuff in Spider-Man No Way Home. But it's advertised as a big, bright and colorful four-quadrant family fun film to go to. The Batman is not, but I still expect we're going to see a lot of success. And by the way, tickets today have gone on sale for the Batman for the official release on March 4th. So if you were waiting to find out when you can get your tickets, well, ticket watches right now. You can go and get your tickets for the Batman immediately. Right now, they are on sale. Look, we shouldn't be surprised that these 350 screenings across the country sold out, quote unquote, immediately. I mean, this is a highly anticipated thing. But the one thing about it is that it's not like they announced a week in advance they were doing this. It was literally less than 24 hours before those tickets went on sale that they kind of let the word slip out. We're going to do a special fan screening on March 1st. Even the day of the show that the tickets went on sale, a lot of the people in our live chat had probably had no idea. None at all. So this is still pretty impressive. And I think we're looking at a big opening weekend. Now, I should also point this out, guys. Those 350 sold out screenings, that doesn't count towards the opening weekend box office. That's 350 theaters that are going to be packed with people that now don't need to go opening weekend. So this could hurt the opening weekend for okay. the Batman. And, and, and that's fine. So my guess of 190 million might be off the table now. So because this is a lot of people who are going to go see. So I don't know. But anyway, Rob, you're seeing this. We've got they these things sold out quickly. We got our tickets, of course. Where do you feel right now the anticipation level is amongst general movie fans for this Batman film? And what does, you know, the success of these advanced screenings tell us about what we may or may not be able to expect on opening weekend? Well, you know, it's funny because I've heard in our own fan circles in the YouTube pundit space that there's been a lot of pushback to this movie, which I was surprised by. Um, I think all of that is going to get swept away for this opening weekend. I think people, the more they see this movie, how can you not watch these trailers and be like, come on, man, who doesn't want to see this movie? I mean, it's Batman. It looks fearsome. It looks brutal. It looks adult. It looks epic. I think that this is why people go to the movies unless I'm really wrong. Uh, I really like the Planet of the Apes movies Matt Reeves did. I am really looking forward to this. And I think the anticipation level, clearly, John, uh, those IMAX screenings, Warner Brothers knows what they have. Not every studio goes, yeah, we're going to have uh, 350 IMAX theaters screening this movie four days before it opens. Like, just like you said, to affect their opening weekend. No one's going to do that if they, I think we're going to get something that's really special here. 
I'm excited for it. I know I get to see it because of you, if, of course, you let me into your fan screening. Yeah. Uh, well, we're I going get, on the first as well. I know, but I want to see it twice. We're going to see it twice. You're the kindness of John Campa. I will see it a second time, opening day at noon. Very excited. Uh, I, I, my excitement for this movie is it's up here. Now, I, now I've pointed out that, of course, that the, the numbers gotten for this advanced screening do not count towards the opening weekend. Right. But... There's the flip side of that coin. I believe Warner Brothers, what they're banking on here is not just 100 or 200 critics getting the word out that this thing's great. They want thousands and thousands and thousands of fans across the country. They're banking on are going to come out of these advanced screenings, glowing about it, raving about it. And I think Warner Brothers is probably banking on this, pushing ticket sales. Yeah. For opening yeah, weekend, I, which very well could work, and they it. will add this to the box office total. They'll say, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." It just doesn't it's, count towards opening weekend. It right. does count towards the overall box office. Absolutely, it does. Anyway, Chris, you know, they we we found out about this advanced screening. Great, it sold out. What they're calling immediately. What does this do? Does that surprise you? Does it not surprise you? How do you think this is going to affect opening weekend? Do you think this is a dangerous gamble by Warner Brothers? How are you seeing it? Oh, I love it. I'm all here for it. I think it just really, really shows how much they believe in this film. They really, really think this is going to do great. And I do, too. I do think this is something that people are going to repeat watch. And maybe I'll eat crow later on when we watch this. Maybe when I go to that second screening, should I get in as well? Um, maybe I'll be like, why am I here again? But I, I just think everything about this looks great. We talk a lot, too, in the fan community, right? There's always the joke of DC being so dark and there's no lights and blah, 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 blah. But that's what you want from Batman. You know, you want dark, you want gritty with some still wacky theatrical villains thrown in the mix. It's dark and twisted, and that's what I think we're going to get. And I'm so excited for it. I think this movie's going to do phenomenally. This movie that is going to come in close to three hours, which means we've got to go over and ask Ray Ora. When <laughs> Ray Orr, of course, is going to be going to see it on the first as well. This is this is going to be a tough slog, and now he's got to see it on the fourth as well. But honestly, Ray, you know the reception this thing is getting, and and the fact that people the, these tickets are getting snapped up so quick. What does that tell you about how people are excited about it, and what is it doing for your personal anticipation for this movie, despite the fact that it's being three hours long? I I have to watch this movie twice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but I, I'm saying that in a good way. I never rewatch films like, you know me, yeah. especially if it's a long one, even if it's good, like it's hard for me to uh, watch a film twice in the theater. Yeah. So, um, but I'm excited for Actually, it. Now that like, you mentioned it, I don't think in the dozen plus years, I don't think we've ever gone to a movie where it was your second viewing of the yeah. movie. Even, I don't think it's even, ever happened. Even one that I did want to see, No Way Home Again. Yeah. I keep talking about it every time we leave a theater watching We got to come back and see No Way Home. We watch Moonfall and whatever we watch. The first thing I always say is, I need to go watch No Way Home We still do need to go back and watch that again. You know, but we still haven't. So, so but um, my excitement after the trailer went up like so much after seeing it in the theater before moonfall, moonfall. Yeah. yeah just because i saw everything and how it would be like in the theater and i i can't wait for the first viewing the second <laughs> viewing i could probably wait <laughs> we'll have to yeah well we're gonna have to wait to see what we think of it after the first to see how excited we will or won't be for the fourth because i'm gonna tell you man that this is gonna break my little heart if this movie is not good and I don't need it to be the next Godfather. I don't need it to be as good as The Dark Knight. I just want a good movie. That's all. 
But I mean, if this is a bad movie, it is going to break my heart. I hope this is your Grinch moment. I hope that your heart grows three sizes. <laughs> three that day. sizes that day. Filled with baddie love. I'll tell you one thing though. <laughs> I did have love. I did have a good time at the fan screening for Spider Man. Oh, that was so, so much fun. So even if the movie is bad, let's say we just don't like it. I'll enjoy like just hanging out. Getting together with yeah, a bunch yeah. of the John Campbell Show viewers and watching. That is going to be fun. For those of you who are, who are joining us a little bit late, uh, what Ray's talking about is we announced at the top of the show that we are going to be doing on opening day, Friday, March the 4th, we are going to be doing in the Los Angeles area, we're going to be doing a John Campia show fan screening of the Batman. So uh, we're going to tell you guys on the show tomorrow about how you can get your uh, invitations now, to come and join us for that. It's at the Burbank 16, right? Yes. We all have to take a group photo in front of the Batman yeah, in front, in front of, of the Batman, Batman statue. statue. Like yeah. for everybody who comes, we got to, and we should make it available as a poster size image that you can purchase. Uh, uh, you can just download it and print it yourself. <laughs> that would be, be a lot. I'll provide the I'll provide the uh, the the big huge JPEG, and you can download it and print it yourself. I ain't shipping that shit out. When you, I'm hoping they have like a special. We'll get a fulfillment I, center. No, I'm, I'm no. hoping they have like a special Batman drink too. Because remember sure when we went will. to uh, see Mortal Kombat, they had those two yep. uh, alcoholic um, uh, mixers. Yeah, they did the uh, Sub Zero one, and then they even had a Thanos drink. Um, when we watched Endgame, or yeah, AMC's got the MacGuffins bars, right? Yeah, and the AMC Burbank has a really good MacGuffins bar in it, and they'll, they'll often for the big movies do specialty drinks for the movies. So Ooh. I don't drink alcohol, but if they have a specialized Batman drink, I will probably I might have, have to it. for the second viewing. You might I have might to take need two. Some, uh, <laughs> it's probably going to be like some red Bloody Mary, like you know, to go with the Batman theme. The oh, maybe Ooh. or something. You know dark, what I mean? Maybe red a dark rum, ale. Like that. Rob and I'll take one for the team. We'll have drinks. All right, we'll, no, we'll get enough. it up. Anyway, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? The tickets for these things went out fast, and the tickets for the regular opening weekend are now on sale today. Where's your anticipation level for it right now? You can tell mine is still pretty high. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Before we move into our main topics here today, we're going to take a second, pay some bills, and thank the folks who are responsible for bringing us today's episode of the John Campus Show, the heroes over at Manscaped. Here we go. Hey guys, we want to take just a second and thank the sponsor of today's video, Manscaped. Now listen guys, you know it is not the 1970s anymore. It is not cool for a man just to let his balls look like the deepest, darkest jungles anymore. You want to keep them trimmed. You want to keep them tidy. And there's nothing I entrust more to the well-being of Dr. Jack Hammer and the amazing fantastical than the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. This thing trims like a finely tuned machine for my finely tuned area. But wait, there's more because today I'm excited to let you guys know about Manscaped launching their new ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's not for your not-so-private parts. I am talking about a level-up overall hygiene routine with your favorite manly sense. Now, in the special Ultra Premium Collection, we're talking about premium Manscaped deodorant. Don't just take care of your balls. Got to take care of them armpits too, guys. A hydrating body spray. Listen, you got tattoos or issues with any dry skin? Well, this spray-on lotion is designed to keep your skin feeling moisturized, smooth, and dudes smelling fresh. And you guys have heard me talk about the body wash. This body wash was a revelation to me. I use it every freaking day. They've also got a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, plus a free gift, a three-pack set of lip balm for guys who are taking care of their lips. So here's what you need to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code 
Campia, C-A-M-P-E-A at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code Campia at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle. Thanks to our friends at Manscaped. That again, guys, are the great folks over at Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped, for making this show episode of the John Cabe Show possible. Don't forget, guys, when you go over and get your stuff, because you got to take care of yourselves, make sure you remember to use that promo code CAMPIA. That helps out the channel. And a big thank you to them once again. All right, guys, with that down, let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? How do we select our main topics here on the John Cabe Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic today comes from David H. Hey, John and crew, The Verge is reporting that Obi-Wan will premiere on Wednesday, May 25th, the day before Star Wars Celebration. I have no clues to why they're passing the chance to premiere on Star Wars Day. What do you think of their premiere day? Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Wait, what? I knew it. I knew you were going to be like, huh? What? 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 Is what? what? Elaine? <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. We were talking about this the other day when we found out that we were going to get Obi-Wan was going to be in May. That's the report that dropped. I think it was the Hollywood Reporter that confirmed it. And now it's 100% official. Obi-Wan is coming on May 25th. Now, we were talking about this on the show the other day. And we were saying that if they don't drop it on May the 4th, it is a massive missed opportunity. I mean, I, I will be dumbfounded why they don't do that. Don't, no, the, but then we also said if there's any other day that would make sense for them to do it, it would be May 25th. Uh, for a couple of different reasons, not the least of which is that Star Wars Celebration starts the day after, and I, that's an anniversary uh, as well. So it would make sense for the 25th. It's, I mean, let's face it. May the 4th be with you is like Valentine's Day. It was made up by greeting card companies and marketeers. Star Wars Day is, was, and ever shall be May 25th because in 1977, Star Wars opened on May 25th. Yep. It is the 45th anniversary of Star Wars when Obi-Wan drops. It still should have been May the 4th. But oh but but we but we did say that the tw if if there was going to be another one, it would be the 25th. And the 25th, but that's the real Star Wars Oh, day. I don't see it, but 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 fans have kind of embraced and May the 4th. May, there's a Johnny we are the fans. man. I was there. Nah, They're going to drop something you better. Said, even you said May the, the 4th Johnny would be a clear one. What if we weren't alive, Rob? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I can't help my existence. So anyway, guys, this comes just from the folks over at Screen Rand who write the following. As the first official poster for Obi-Wan Kenobi, Lucasfilm is highlighting aspects of the show audiences are already familiar with while hiding plenty of other details. Obi-Wan's story takes place 10 years after the Revenge of the Sith and his mission to watch Luke Skywalker on Tatooine seems... Well, look at that. We're going back to Tatooine again. Uh, on Tatooine seems to be where the show begins. Ewan McGregor is pictured with a full Kenobi beard and with the twin sons of Tatooine behind him. It also appears that he's holding Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber in his hand, which at least teases Christensen's return, even if Darth Vader isn't pictured. And that, again, comes to us from the folks over at Screen Rant. And yeah, guys, the poster came out. Listen, I'll tell you what. For a first poster, I think this looks great. I, I think this is a really nice 
concept poster. I Again, I've always said that the thing I like in posters are a single image, a single frame that kind of captures the spirit of something. And when I look at this image, I'm like, that's what I think of whenever I thought about going back to visit the story of Obi-Wan Kenobi after he goes to Tatooine. That's that's the part that's always come into my head. That's the image that's always popped into my head is that image right there. Now, I don't know for sure if that's Anakin Skywalker, Anakin's um, Slate Saber Knight does have that angle. So it might be. Don't know. It would make sense if it does. But at any rate, May the 25th it is. It is the anniversary. It is the, again, the day before the uh, Star Wars celebration. So... Again, should have been the fourth, but 25th, we accept it. We'll allow it. That works and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, Chris, you had a chance to see this poster. It's May 25th, which is not terribly far away because we're no. February, March, April, three months away yeah. from Obi-Wan Kenobi. What do you think of it? I'm so excited about this. I think this poster looks amazing. I'm really, really excited about this show. Ewan McGregor, we've talked about this. He's so, so good in the role of Obi-Wan. I'm going to Star Wars Celebration on May 26th, so what a great lead into that. And I know, I know I'm a bit of a scruffy nerf herder, Rob, because I, like, I, I was a May the 4th-er, but I'm going to just celebrate all of it. But I appreciate the Valentine's Day comparison, right? This it, it is something that was manufactured, but can't we still do it and maybe just do something extra special on the 25th? Revenge of the 25th. Ooh. That's what I say. I like that. Revenge of the 5th. Anyway, uh, Rob, you got this. You got the date. We know when it's coming now. What do you think about the date? Is it the appropriate one to do? And uh, where's your anticipation level right now Look, for Obi-Wan? To me, this and Andor were are my most, uh, the things I'm most excited about in terms of Star Wars. Obi-Wan Kenobi is obviously a foundational member of the Star Wars universe, being such an integral part of Star Wars 1. But I have to say this, John. Um, after Book of Boba Fett, my anticipation for this show is a little diminished. They need to win me back. And I'm thinking of all the things that they can do. This is, this is, I'm an, I, I'm an easy lay for this show. I, I want it to be, I want it to be good. I, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I mean, I, I'm just... You know, I, I I want it to be good, and you know how it is. You want that that first touch, and you're like, "Up, oh, this isn't going to be good." What what's going to give you like that? I took her hand out of a cab from Sleepless in Seattle moment where you know this is the one. <laughs> to I be love. honest, the opening shot. Okay. Really? I, I mean, yeah. I want to see how they open this. Like, I do not want to see another establishing shot of Tatooine. Mm. I'm like, you got to show me something. I already know that. It's like, I know if you're going to do an Obi-Wan show, I do not need to see Obi-Wan in the Tatooine desert. I saw that 45 years ago. Mm -hmm. I saw it last week. And on the poster. I saw an establishing shot of Mos Espa. I'm looking at that. But that's that's standard filmmaking storytelling. I, 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 setting establishment. I, so you I, know they are going to do I, that. I, I, unless it opens differently than you would expect. I mean, I really think they got Deborah Chow directing this. Mm. This show should so be good. dazzling. Hopefully that that I, I think that, look, the writing in Boba Fett was not what I had hoped it would be. And I think this is a thing. Everyone in the world loves Star Wars. It really takes a lot for you to lose viewers or to have viewers get disappointed in Star Wars. And this show of all this should be the Tiffany standard of what they're going to do with these streaming shows. This is it, man. And and let's see, you guys set the tone for the next 10 years of Disney streaming Star Wars series right here. And I'm, look, I'm asking a lot, but I'm expecting a 10, I'm expecting like what I saw in the short program with uh, our favorite male skater, 
on the Olympics last night, getting that gold. I mean, he set a world record. I want to see that with Obi-Wan. Come on now. Now, here's the thing, too. I, I feel like... Now, Greg, there are some people watching this show right now that really enjoyed the Boba Fett series, and that that's awesome. I think it's fair to say that there were a lot of people who weren't super thrilled with the Boba Fett series. But we what we have right now is a Mandalorian opportunity because we were coming out of The Rise of Skywalker, which, again... There are people out there who really enjoyed it, and that's great. If you did, awesome. I hated it, and I, I think a number of people really hated it. But what do we say? Winning cures everything. That's right. So coming out of Rise of Skywalker, we got Mandalorian, and all of a sudden, all was forgiven, and that's all. Everybody was excited again. Then we got Mandalorian season two, and we're all excited again. And Rob, I don't think you're alone in saying that. You know, a little bit of the wind has been taken out of the enthusiasm sale for, for some people coming out of Boba Fett. That just makes Obi-Wan, I think, that much more important because it's mm -hmm. got to get things back on track for people again. You know, I think that for me, what I thought about the Boba Fett series is it just seemed haphazard. And, and we have such great streaming shows these days. Whether, take your pick. I mean, everyone's talking about Jack Reacher now. Now, is Jack Reacher the perfect show? No, but it's really satisfying for what it is. And you feel when you watch it, like the people that were making this show. Remember, we're going to be talking about that in a bit. So let's not go. Yeah, but I'm just it. I feel like they, they they knew what they were doing. They had the book to adapt. There's so much great Star Wars material out there. And they were developing. John, remember, this was a movie. This was going to be a movie before like Boba Fett was going to be a movie. Yeah. So there was development that had gone on. And when you see the art of book, like the art of. Clone Wars art, you see all this beautiful production artwork. They spent a long time thinking about these shows. Yeah. So what I want from this is I want a great story, like I want from anything. And they can give it to us. They've got all the stuff they need. It's it's what's on the page that I think they've got to nail here. I just really hope it doesn't become a member berries show. God, I hope not. But I, I don't think Deborah Chow will do that. I don't think she will. I hope not. You know, I, I feel the same way as you, Rob. But the thing about this show that it's got going for him is Ewan McGregor. Yeah, and, yeah, that's um, a huge this thing. show has been in the works for a long time. Where where Boba was kind of like a knee jerk release by them. Yeah. Like it it was we never heard of them working on it. It just happened to be like oh. Book of Boba Fett after the first at season. The of of, at the end of yeah, the end of the Yeah, there was no it. news of it going nope. on before that. It shocked so us. So it was like a quick release and we saw it in the final product. Um this one, I have a little bit more faith just because it's been talked about for so long. And that poster, it, it just looks like he's about to pass up Boba Fett on that like one thing he was writing in the desert. <laughs> right. And yeah, like you can walk just, right by the bed. Yeah, he can walk, walk by Boba by Fett. Everything. Not love, it's, you know, people like to get their steps in in Tatooine. You know, it's They're a big, it's a big fitness. But fitness is a big thing in Tatooine. I think Ray, you're right. You know, and I, I hope you're right. But I think you're right about that. I mean, this you have Ewan McGregor, and I don't think Ewan McGregor would come back. Like he's he loves he's, this character. He's a very he, well regarded. He's always actor. loved the character. Yeah, and I think he wants it to be great because even he says, you know, he was making the point that we might not like the prequel trilogy as much, but if you grew up with it. And that was your first taste of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. You know, you're gonna you, you have a different you have a different affection for it. And I think that that you know, we always talk about the Graham Norton show. There's a great bit. It's an old Graham Norton show where Ewan McGregor shows. They ask him if he can still wield a lightsaber, and oh. they're like, <laughs> "Give him one." And this is years after the 
prequel trilogy, and his lightsaber skills were on point, man. And I'm like, I want to see that guy. I want to see you and McGregor crush mm-hmm. this because I know he wants to. Yeah. I again, I, we go back to it a lot, but I still remember when he came out on stage at D23, man. And he's like, Kathy, talk to me, Kathleen Kennedy. Ask me if I'm playing Obi Wan again. Ewan, are you playing Obi Wan again? Yes. <laughs> you, just, you just tell he was so happy to, to be back and doing and this And I bet again. he was happy because the scripts are good. I think mm-hmm. this show is in development for a long time. I think they really nailed it, and they really need to nail it. I mean, we need we need a championship season here. Well, I mean, don't forget, though, I, I don't want to pop our balloons here, but whatever that script was that he was excited about at D23... Don't forget, then they went back and kind of redid a whole time. Oh, sure. Decided last, so it's going to be. But I think the number one thing to me is Deborah Chow. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I need to know. And she's directing the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. Other Maybe than we'll get the True first detective season one, except for the first episode that's being directed by Robert Rodriguez. I'm sure we're all excited about that. I'm kidding, by the way. Robert Rodriguez is not touching the show. Um, so but that gives me a lot of faith in it. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about the new poster for the first poster, really, for Obi-Wan? The official release date is the anniversary date. It's May 25th. Where's your anticipation level for it right now? Did Book of Boba Fett hurt your anticipation at all? Did it not at all? What are you guys thinking about it? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Chris, what is our second main topic? Topic two is from the antagonistic anonymous. Hey, John, just like you, I had little to no interest in watching Amazon's Jack Reacher. However, after hearing some of your show's viewers, I checked it out and I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed the series overall. And it looks viewers around the looks viewers around the globe were fond of it as Deadline reports that the show was renewed for a season two. And Amazon stated that the show ranked in its top five most watched series ever in the US and globally over a 24 hour period. What's your view of season one? And are you looking forward to next season? Thanks and having an amazing day. Yeah, listen, I will tell you what, you're not wrong. I, when I saw that they were coming with Reacher, first of all, you got to understand the first Tom Cruise, Jack Reacher movie, I really like. Yep. I, I don't care what anybody else says. Like he's not as tall he's supposed to be. In the, I don't give a shit. I don't watch a movie to see how close it sticks to the book. I watch a movie to see if it's a good movie. And I thought that first Jack Reacher movie was really entertaining. The mystery was good. The way they unfolded it all. And I and I and Tom Cruise, I bought as a badass in the movie. I thought they did a very, very good job on it. Jack Reacher 2 Never Stop Never Stopping was not nearly as good to me. I, I wasn't so terribly big on the sequel, I admit. But still, when I saw that they were doing a television series for Reacher with... Aquaman from Smallville. I honestly, no interest. And then, much like Harley Quinn, we started hearing from people saying, John, I really think you should check out Jack Reacher. I really think you should check out Jack Reacher. And then Robert Meyer Burnett said, I watched the series. I really think you should watch it. So I'm like, all right. Sat down, popped in an episode of Jack Reacher. I'm like, you know what? It's pretty good. I watched the second episode, and after the second episode, I was hooked. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I think Alan Richson uh, is the world's greatest actor. I mean, it, he, he played it pretty monotone, which is the way the character should be played. But he brought a physical presence to the role that added a lot. The, the same kind of in the way that uh, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson would. Like, I just bought into it. I believed it. I thought the mystery is pretty good, although it started to get a little bit convoluted yeah. in the last couple of episodes. Still... 
I thought it was broad enough of a conspiracy. I like the way they got there. My one kind of nitpick with it, and I won't say who specifically, but everybody in the series that you thought was a bad guy was absolutely a bad guy. There was no subtle Mr. X going at all. It was pretty straightforward. So it was fun. It, the action was violent and exciting. I believed it. It had a verisimilitude to it. And when the series ended, I was like, that was pretty darn good television. And they have announced that they're coming back to it. This comes from the folks over at Deadline who write the following. Jack Reacher is returning. Amazon has renewed Alan Richen-fronted action drama series Reacher for a second season. The fast turnaround renewal comes three days after the streamer launched the Lee Child adaptation. Amazon said that Reacher ranked in its top five most watched series ever in the U.S. and globally over a 24-hour period, though it's worth noting that all eight episodes of the series launched at once, not something that Amazon generally does. Uh, the company added that it's, it also was among its highest rated original series, with subscribers giving it an average rating of 4.7 out of 5. Now, of course, the drawback from them dropping it all, well, the, the advantage of dropping it all at once is people can binge and build up those view hours. The drawback, as we found out in the, that variety study, is that in two and a half weeks, no one's going to be talking about Reacher anymore. So it's going to disappear, but still... I'm very happy to see it got renewed because this is a series that very easily could have come and gone very fast. Nobody could have paid attention to it. I wasn't going to be paying attention to it, and I'm glad I did. So I'm really grateful to our viewers who turned me on to it. So there we go. Rob, you're one of the guys who got me really turned on to this show. Uh, what did you think about the series overall, and how do you feel about it getting renewed for season two? Well, I, you know, I'm a fan of Lee Child's Reacher books, just like I, I love James Lee Burke's Dave Robichaux books or, or, or Andrew Vox's Burke novels. I like these sort of detective. I mean, these are these are neo westerns. You know, guy walks, stranger walks into a small town, a corrupt town, and and sets things straight with a great cast of secondary characters. And this is this was it was an adaptation of the very first Reacher novel. They they brought in characters from other f books in the series, like his friend, and I I just thought. While it's not genius, John, it's not like breaking bad levels of genius, but it's just really, really solid entertainment. You know, it's like it's like the movie Silverado. Silverado's full of Western tropes and it's fun. It's not unforgiven, but it's a really solid, fun Western with great actors and great characters. And it's just fun to watch. And it's satisfying. You don't watch it. Go, eh, that's all right. This was just a, a a a really entertaining show, a great adaptation of the books. I think with a central character who's you know, he's not called upon to be doing De Niro levels of acting, and I think he's the perfect character actor. Or he's the perfect actor to play that character, and I love the secondary characters, the people that he worked with. Yes, everything from the uh, the 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 main detective dude, the the girl. Uh, I mean, again, the villains to me were like, well, that's a villain and that's a villain and that's a villain immediately. No mystery to it. But still, those supporting characters, like that trio really did work for me a lot. I love the the police captain. I thought he was great in this. Yeah, he Finley, was. Finley, I think, was the character's fin name. Finley and Roscoe. Yeah. And, and it was just, I mean, you're watching it and it was just satisfying entertainment. You know, not every entertainment has to be the best thing you've ever seen. But this was something that was really satisfying, really diverting, really fulfilling. And I felt like it was a great meal that might not be, you know, as good for me as too much butter on it. But okay. It's great. 
All right. We go over. Chris, you, I, I can't even remember if you even saw this series nope. or not. not I had not at no all. interest in so, whatsoever. So, but, but I think that's interesting. What? what because I, I wasn't interested either. What is it? How did this show or why did this show for you who wasn't interested like I wasn't? What was it about this and how it looked that just didn't click with you and didn't raise any interest for you to see it? I mean, honestly, there's just so many things to watch that I was just like, eh, I don't know if it's going to do it for me. Aquaman, you're fine. Um, but now that more and more people have talked about it, I am intrigued by it and I do think I'm going to binge it. I also, I'm somebody who watches something and it's usually because of just all the old YouTube videos and stuff I had to make where it's, let me figure out all the plot points right away. So the knowing who a villain is immediately isn't something that like super intrigues me that much. Doesn't make me want to watch this more. But my husband suspends his disbelief so much that he can watch <laughs> Moana for the 57th time and be like, I don't know if they're going to make it. <laughs> so so I'm really excited to binge watch this with him. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just not my kind of show. It looked a little it looked a little kind of fluffy a little flash and trash if you will it does and but it I'm, absolutely does i'm happy yeah. to hear that the, this has some real meat to it though and it it, it is brutal mm -hmm. and it, it it doesn't really pull its punches certainly reacher doesn't pull his punches Ooh. but the show itself doesn't and it's you know there's a whole there's a whole sub genre of these modern neo-noir whether you call them westerns mysteries whatever that are really solid. Lee child is one of the best of those writers mm -hmm. so this is a series of books i could watch this I hope they adapt every one of them. So here's the thing, though. I mean, in the show, Jack Reach is supposed to be huge. Alan Richardson is a monster. Yeah. An absolute monster. Now, he doesn't quite have the overall bulk and so pure, pure size as, say, John Cena, but he has the better physique. Like when in those scenes when whether he's in the shower or just you know in a thrift store changing shirts or whatever, like you look at that and you go, dear, freaking heavens! Yeah. Like th this this guy just wakes up in the morning, eats barley, and lifts weights. Like that's <laughs> you know, all he does. You know, it's funny that you say that because I was watching this morning. I was watching somebody did. I don't know if it was Screen Rant or somebody did an interview with him before the series dropped. And he talks about how he'd, he'd gone and tested, auditioned. And he said, well, you know, when I found out the news, I was I was in my cabin. Like, of course he has a cabin yeah. somewhere. Like, He's of course, the brawny man. Yeah, and he probably like does what Rocky Four did. And Rocky did in Rocky Four. Like he picks up giant trunks of trees yeah. and lifts them in the snow. And I mean, yeah, his physique. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a guy with a better. I mean, he was a cross between 300 and Brad Pitt and Fight Club. <laughs> and and uh and john cena and john I mean, cena he he's huge i mean huge all. but ripped all right guys question is for you have you been watching reacher if so what did you think about it if not what kept you away from watching it and how do you feel about it getting renewed for a second season i am personally very very excited about it whatever you guys are thinking about that jump on down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there okay guys with that down let's move on to main topic number three Chris, what is our third main topic today? Alan Renshaw writing in. I just saw an article on Variety that said Anthony Ramos has landed a secret role in the upcoming Ironheart, ser Ironheart series. I loved his role in In the Heights and think he could be the villain or a mentor figure to Riri. What are your thoughts and who do you think he could be playing? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And listen, I I'm, I'm going to tell you, I have never really known a lot about Anthony Ramos. I, not much. I mean, he popped up Hamilton, but I really took notice of him in in the Heights. 
He was great. I, so I loved him in In the Heights. I'm also going to tell you that I have, I mean, I know of Ironheart. I have never read a single thing of Ironheart. Never read a single thing of Ironheart. And I'd be lying to you if I told you I actually had any interest in it. <laughs> you know me and derivative characters. I am not terribly big on derivative characters. I don't care if it's Flash and Kid Flash or, you know, whatever and whatever. It's Hulk and She-Hulk. And what what the, the pure one-to-one -one derivative character stuff I'm not big on. And again, I may not be saying this if I actually read Ironheart and I knew a little bit more about it. I mean, I read a bunch of stuff about Ironheart, but I've never read Ironheart. And maybe if I had, I wouldn't feel this way. But on the service to me, oh, look, it's another derivative character. Iron Man got Iron Heart now, and it just doesn't interest me. You add Anthony Ramos to this. All right. Now you got my attention because this dude's talented. Yep. This dude's really good. I've like he's got a charisma on screen and there is just a believability. His enthusiasm on screen is contagious and there's a believability to it. Can I see him playing a villain? I don't know. I mean I, I mean, I don't know. So, But I have no idea. When you ask me, who do I think he's playing? Since I don't read Ironheart, I couldn't tell you at all. But I do know this. You put his name on it, I'm interested. So this is the most excited I've been for this show so far yet. We'll see how it goes. Rob, you hear about, you know, this addition to it. You know a little bit more about Ironheart than I do. So do you have any kind of speculations about, first of all, what do you think about the addition of him? And then do you have any kind of speculation about who he might be? Well, look. One of the things I think is the great strength of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, both on television and in the theater, is their casting choices. You know, Haley Steinfeld in Hawkeye was delightful. I thought she was great. And, you know, in the comics, her character was introduced as a founder of the Young Avengers. Riri, Will Riri Williams, I think, is actually a pretty well-drawn character in the comics. I mean, she's... She is a, I think she is a great character, even though, yes, she's derivative, but she's not derivative. It, it never felt pandering to me in any way. I really enjoyed the setup of that character. And I think, again, I think we're going to get a show that is incredibly well cast. And I think that whatever the dynamic is between the two characters, I think it's going to be pretty good. Again, it always comes down to writing for me. I would assume that they're going because they're going to start the Armor Wars storyline. That yeah. this is going to have a big, a big part of that. It's going to lead into that. So it's hard. I don't know who he's playing. I because I don't know what what direction they're taking this show. I don't know anything about it you know, other than the fact that I know Riri Williams is a character, but who knows? Because they've changed things up in 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 uh, how they approach these things. But I have to tell you, I'm I'm excited to see where they're going to go with this. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be. I, I I I have high hopes for this. Actually, especially I also have high hopes. They're bringing back Sam Rockwell for the Armor Wars too. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, they're I, they're doing some good things. I think it could be cool. Well, Chris, what do you think about this? You see this addition to him? Are, are, do you have like I said, me? It has been very very under my radar. The project as a whole. Where has it been for you, and what do you think about this edition? Well, first of all, if you have any interest, I highly, highly recommend picking up some Ironheart issues. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis's work on this yeah. character is so, so good, um, and I love his work. I mean, that's a, what, a seven-time Eisner Award winner? He's yeah. incredible. So really, really great storylines there, really, really great character development. I'm very excited about this. I think Anthony Ramos is such a talent to watch. I've been loving watching him just rise up from doing a, I think the first thing I ever saw him in was a Crown Royale commercial or something. Or it's just- I know the one you're talking yeah. about. That's the crazy, we're just walking down the streets and he's saying hi to the neighbors. And he's just so charming. You're like, 
Look at him. And bring he brings it, bring his, it, his bring mom a bottle mom. of booze. Here, mom. I, I just remember watching it being like, I'm in love with you. Like, <laughs> oh, marry me. And he's so, he's so talented. Everything he does is just wonderful. I'm really interested to see who he's going to play. I want it to be a villain. I really, really do. And it's you can take that so many different ways because you've got characters like Andre Sims, who's this former Stark employee who's all disgruntled and wants the tech and is sabotaging AI. You could have him be kind of one of our keys into getting mutants in here. We could have him be somebody like Hijack, who she deals with, who's an uh, Atlanta-based mutant. Um, there's a lot of possibility. Well, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Where has your anticipation level been like for Ironheart? And does Anthony's casting do anything to move the needle for you? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? This is from Grogu Shirt. <laughs> hey, John and team. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Boba Fett was a terrible series. It had moments, but not enough of them, not enough to overcome the crap ones that kept piling up. When you stop and think about it, even the episode with Luke was complete nonsense. Anyway, if you're Disney, what are the main lessons you need to learn from Boba Fett's failure? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And I mean, look, the first thing you have to understand and kind of acknowledge is that Boba Fett's failure, well, that depends on your point of view, as Obi-Wan would say. From a certain point of view there are people who quite enjoyed the series and listen there are parts of the series that i enjoyed um so i'm i'm not willing to just label the series a failure overall because to me there were there were a number of episodes you know ray would come over every tuesday night and ryan would come we'd sit down we watch it and there were a number of the episodes that i at the end of the episode i go you know what that episode wasn't bad and i even with all the ridiculous stuff in the final episode there was also some stuff in there i quite liked so I'm not going to be one to label it as a failure myself, but they were absolutely mistakes made. I don't think there's any, I think even the biggest fan of the series will acknowledge there were mistakes made. And I think if you're Lucasfilm, you need to, at the end of every series, you need to take a step back and say, what are the lessons we need to take from this that we apply and move forward with? You know, some people... You know, if, if there's ever pictures of me driving in my car, sometimes you'll see on my display that I'm listening to the John Cabe Show podcast. And I have people write in and say, you're listening to your own podcast? I'm like, you're an you're ignorant fool if you don't. If you don't listen and watch your own work to examine what you do, you're never going to get better at what you do. So yes, I watch every episode of the John Cabe Show. I listen to every episode of the John Cabe Show podcast. Because if I don't, I, I I won't pick up on the bad habits that I form. Some I decide to keep because I just like it. Fuck it. But I mean, but you know, you never get better. And I think Lucasfilm has to do the same thing. So I think it's a really interesting question you ask. It's like, what are the lessons that they need to take away from this? So I want to propose five lessons that I think Lucasfilm, even though there was some success with Boba Fett, but five lessons I believe that they need to take away from Boba Fett. So put on your caps. We're going to go into the campy classroom here for a second. I'm going to propose, and then I, I want to bring up the five lessons I want to hear from you guys about what you think about it. The first lesson I think they need to take away from the book of Boba Fett is this. Fan service only works if the proper story is built around it. Fan service only works if you build the proper story around it. Fan service is neither a good or a bad thing. It's like any other tool. A joke isn't a good or a bad thing. If you use a joke in the right way at the right time, it enhances a scene. 
If you drop the wrong joke at the wrong time, it ruins a scene. It all depends on how you use it. You look at Spider-Man No Way Home. Toby and Andrew is fan service. Don't deny it. It's fan service. But they built their story in such a way in Spider-Man No Way Home that that fan service was integrated and served the story. And because it did, it worked. Cap holding Mjolnir is fan service. Well, there's a lot in Endgame that's fan service. But they it's actually picked up on something they hinted back in Age of Ultron, and then it created something in the whole thing and just actually became a part of the story about the culmination of Captain America was truly worthy. They made it a part of the story. When you look at Boba Fett... There was fan service without purpose or reason, right? We got to see a Rancor. Cool. But it didn't make sense. Rob, Rob pointed out so accurately, oh, and he got to ride the Rancor into battle at the end. Why the hell, if he was going all the way back to his palace, would he not get his freaking gunship? Remember when he took out that entire biker gang in like two seconds? Why wouldn't he get that instead of the Rancor? It didn't make sense narratively. I'll even say this, and people are not going to like that I'm saying this. By the end of it, Cad Bane was pointless. I loved Cad Bane popping up. I loved, like, we need to, I'm like, oh, and he sounded menacing. With that damn hat and everything, too. But by the end, you realized he was just there so he could be there. If you wanted to have him introduce him in episode two, start to lay the groundwork of the tension, background story, and purpose of, and the dynamic between Boba Fett and Cad Bane. If that's going to be your ultimate big end fight, don't go walking around in pajamas, hanging out with Tuscans. Second last episode. Oh, here's Cad Bane. Oh, last episode. Now we're going to fight. At the end of the day, Cad Bane was empty fan service because they didn't do anything with him. Ahsoka, you know I really like Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. I loved her turn as Ahsoka in Mandalorian. But her popping up in this was pointless. Wait a minute, why is she on that planet with Luke? Last time we heard from her, she had no desire that this thing should be trained. Blah, blah, blah. If you just knew where Luke was, instead of telling Mandalorian in Season 2 of Mando about, you must try to seek out another Jedi somewhere. Uh, oh, Wait, wait a minute. I forgot. I know this Jedi. How about I just take you to him and you can drop the kid off? And then when her conversation was with Luke is done, she says, okay, bye. I'm leaving. It. They didn't build a story purpose for her to be there. Even Luke himself, at the end of the day, other than I will, Luke is the least egregious of this because at least Luke had to, pre to present Grogu with the dilemma. Do you take the shirt the representation of your past and the things you're attached to, or do you take the, the lightsaber, the representation of the things you can be? So at least there, there was a little bit of that, but there were so many elements of fan service in there that had no point and no purpose. And that's an issue. And I think that is a lesson, not that Lucasfilm shouldn't use fan service moving forward. Fan service can be used great. I think Mandalorian showed you can do fan service great, but they need to make sure if we're going to use fan service, it's got story behind it. All right. Let's go into what I think is the second lesson they need to learn. And that is this. Bad pacing kills the telling of a story. Bad pacing doesn't kill a story, but bad pacing kills the telling of a story. By the end of the book of Boba Fett, we realized the whole reason, the whole reason we spent three episodes of watching Boba Fett 
walking around with the Tuscans was so that when Cad Bane says, we're the actual ones who killed your Tuscans, ha ha ha. Three episodes was all for that one moment. A skilled storyteller could have gotten us as the audience to understand the emotional attachment that Boba Fett had to the Tusken Raiders in one episode. I go back to X-Men 2, Rob. You remember that? I there's, do. There's a scene where you may have had some connection to that. There was a scene in that movie that, that I always go back to when I talk about pacing, where Bobby um, and... Um, uh, what what's the the character's not Firestarter? Uh, oh, I'm forgetting the name of of uh, Bobby's buddy. Pyro. Was, Pyro. Thank you. Pyro and 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 Kitty. I think it was Kitty Pride, wasn't it? No, no, no it wasn't Kitty Pride. It was a uh, rogue. 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 They go to Bobby's family's house, and as they go in, Pyro sees a family portrait of Bobby and his parents, and they look happy. And with no dialogue, just a quick shot of the portrait, then a shot on Pyro's face. I knew Pyro's entire backstory. This is a guy who never had a family, who never had the support and love of parents or siblings and whatever, and he is feeling envious. All that in three seconds of a quick shot because a skilled storyteller told that part of a story, right? The fact that they used up three episodes of this show to simply make the point, hey, he was really attached to these people and they were taken from him. That killed the storytelling pace. It meant I was kind of off this show before it even really got rolling. Pace, bad pacing skills or bad pacing kills the storytelling. And I think they need to take that lesson moving forward. When they go into Obi-Wan, I don't want three episodes of Obi-Wan just wrestling with, it's very hard living on Tatooine. I don't need three episodes of that. Give me half an episode that kind of makes that point and then move on. All right. The third lesson that I think that Lucasfilm needs to take away from the book of Boba Fett is this. Lesson number three, understand your characters if you want your audience to understand them. They did not understand Boba Fett because by the end of this series, we had no idea what was really his motivations, what made him do this sort of thing. Is he even intelligent? Does he even have any idea what he's doing? Because at first it's like, I just don't want to work for idiots anymore. Then it's, these are my people. I must protect them. With, by the way, nothing happened in the show that ever created a bond between him and his people. And only to end up in the final scene, you know what? We're not cut out for this. They had no idea who their Boba Fett was. They could have made their Boba Fett anything they wanted it to be. But what became clear is that they didn't have any idea who they wanted Boba Fett to be. And if you don't have any idea who your main character is supposed to be, how are we as the audience supposed to get on board with it and know who your character is supposed to be? That is really important. All right. I think lesson number four that Lucas needs to take away from the book of Boba Fett uh, is this. If, uh, if I can finally get it here. There it is. It's this. Stay on target. Don't make your main character a guest star in their own show. And I'm not just talking about the fact that we went a couple episodes without seeing Boba Fett. What I'm talking about is this show never once felt like it was staying on target. I don't mind flashbacks in shows. Flashbacks in movies and shows can be very effective. But it just kind of felt like this the story of the book of Boba Fett was jumping all over the freaking place all the time. Oh, good. We're, we're getting to know splash dance girl or flash dance girl we're getting to know her we're getting to know the, oh wait a minute 
Now we're talking about taming the Tuscan dog. That wasn't like when you go back to the old Highlander TV series, when they did flashbacks, it was always directly connected to what was going on with, uh, it wasn't Connor McLeod. It was uh, Duncan, Duncan, whatever was going on with Duncan McLeod in the present time. It was always, they stayed on target. This show, the, the, the cuts between the time periods was disconnected. Then when they start, when they suddenly cut to Mando, it was like, without warning or anything and just the show lacked any focus so that by the time we got to the end we're like i'm not even sure what this show's about and that's a problem so i think the fourth lesson they need to take away from this is stay on target figure out what your direction is and stay on it the last lesson i'm going to say i think they need to take away from the book of boba fett and the success or failure however you want to term it they had was this when you're writing this stuff, ask why your characters are making the choices they're making, because the audience certainly will ask those questions. Throughout the book of Boba Fett, we as the audience were constantly, why did Boba Fett just do that? Why did that character just say that? Why did Boba Fett, knowing that the, the tentacles of this of, of the Sarlacc can reach out and grab him, flying his ship right over? Why, when Boba Fett knows he got out of the Sarlacc pit with his armor on, why is he looking in the belly of the Sarlacc pit? Why is Boba Fett hiring a bunch of teenage kids who we have never so much as seen throw a single punch and saying, you're going to be my muscle? Why is he doing that? Why, when he flew back to the palace, did he decide to ride back on a Rancor instead of bringing back his full battleship? to wipe everybody out when we as the audience are constantly asking the questions why did this character just decide to do this it shows that you as the writers never bothered to stop to ask the question why is he doing this and again this kind of goes back to point four in that it takes away from the focus of the show we don't know which way we're going now again there are things that i i quite enjoyed about the book of boba fett but if you're asking me what are the lessons that lucasfilm needs to learn and then apply as they move forward in Obi-Wan, in Ahsoka, in the Acolyte, in whatever else they're going to do moving forward in, in, in Andor. Number one, fan service only works if you write the proper story around it to, to support it. Number two, bad pacing kills this telling of the story. Number three, understand your characters if you want your audience to understand them. Lesson four, stay on target. And lesson five, ask why your characters are making the choices they're making because if you don't, the audience will and it's pretty dissatisfying. All right, Rob, I just went in pretty extensive there on that. Let me ask you, what do you think about the, the things that I said or the lessons that you take away? Are there other lessons that you think that they should take away from the book of Boba Fett as well? Well, first of all, I thought your five points were great. And, and what you're going back to is what makes great writing, what makes great storytelling. Here's my thing about this. They had one job on this show, which was tell us about Boba Fett. I don't care about anything else. You know, and I keep going back, I, I think back to Chris Claremont's Wolverine miniseries. You know, Wolverine started out part of the X-Men, the Weapon X program. People love Wolverine, became a fan favorite, but no one really knew who he was. So Chris Claremont and Frank Miller went back and did a four-issue Wolverine miniseries. He went to Japan, you found out about Mariko. They gave him an incredibly interesting backstory dealing with the hand and there was ninjas. There was all this stuff that would never have belonged in an X-Men proper. And they defined who Wolverine was, and it resonates to this day. The second Wolverine movie drew heavily from that miniseries. And, and it was a four-issue miniseries called Wolverine, and all it dealt with was Wolverine, his backstory, things we didn't know about him. 
Boba Fett is one of the great Star Wars characters because no one knew anything about him. Celebrating how many lines or lack of lines he had in the whole saga, his awesome armor, his old backstory, all of it. That was the only thing the show had to do. What happened between when Jango Fett was killed in the arena on Geonosis to the end of Return of the Jedi and beyond? This show did everything it could to not tell us who Boba Fett was. And then when it finally did, the whole thing with the Tuscans, while it was totally drawn out, that was a pivotal moment where Boba Fett changed who he was. He found a reason to care about other people. Now, we didn't know that he didn't care about other people because we'd only seen little little bits of it, bits of it. But they showed us him holding his own father's head in his hands. Well, what happened to him then? You could have done a whole thing about the book of Boba Fett. What did he do when his father was killed? Where did he go? How did he survive? How did he wind up as a bounty hunter just because he wanted to honor his father's legacy? When did he learn to fly a ship? You know, when he, uh, his father showed him, but we could have dealt with his whole feud. I wanted to see Boba Fett's time in Smallville in high school. You know, I wanted so, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're in terms of pop culture, sci-fi fantasy figures, there are countless books and countless stories that give you a template on where they should have gone with this. And instead, not only did you not learn half the things we should have, then they're like, Sorry, this show is not that interesting. So let's go to two episodes of The Mandalorian, the show you really want to watch in the middle of this that has nothing to do with Boba Fett at all. And I watch something like this and it's frustrating because these are all smart people. John Favreau's written some great stuff. He's a great filmmaker. He made Iron Man 1, which what? Is a character study that completely defines who Tony Stark is. And Iron Man 1 sets the tone for the rest of the MCU. This should have been the Iron Man 1 of Star Wars. Literally, Boba Fett is a, well, he's a Beskar man. But I mean, it, it was right there. He already did it. And you watch, I'm sorry, I get, I get upset, John, because <laughs> I look at this and I'm like, this to me is one of the most botched opera watching watching rise of skywalker and watching this i ask myself the same question how could very smart intelligent people serve up something that is so completely wrong on so many levels and what's wrong with it is completely obvious and i don't understand how it gets made how does it get done when i can turn around and look at something like well jack reacher which is also a character study, and it was very satisfying, and it had no fan service whatsoever to fall back on. Yeah, well, Chris, they had one job, John. Tell me about Boba Fett. And 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 again, once they cut away to Mando, they did it in such a way that how is this furthering the story of what Boba Fett is? And and they just never did it. This is writing one hundred and one. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, you heard what I th thought are the lessons yeah. they needed to take away from this. Do any of those stand out to you? And do you have any other lessons that you think oh. you would, they should uh, add on to that as they move forward? I think they're excellent lessons. I think these are very, very good. The thing that I kept thinking about, and I know we all loved it, was uh, Luke looked great this time around, right? We liked seeing Luke. But as we've learned from Star Wars, let the past die. Why are we spending all this time, money, technology, energy on recreating Mark Hamill's face? I know we love Mark Hamill. I adore Mark Hamill. But instead of putting so much focus on getting that looking good, let's get our story about Boba Fett to where it needs to be. I'm so glad we had him in there, but I feel like so much of the 
the importance was placed on nostalgia here. And we need to walk that back and focus back on good storytelling. Every point that Rob just brought up, yeah, I want to know all those things. I want to know. I want to know his relationship to the Mandalorians. If you're going to bring in other Mandalorians, is Boba Fett a Mandalorian? Yeah. He says you don't. You don't really believe in that. Like he disses on the Mandalorian way to Din. Well, at least Din's specific perception of the Mandalorian. Yes. Remember, there's a lot of difference. Yeah. Yes. Amongst Mandalorians. But I'm. But I'm like, I would like to have known what is Boba Fett's relationship to the Mandalorians and specifically Mandalore. How do you mm -hmm. feel about the fall of Mandalore, Boba? Yeah. Was Django a Mandalorian? I don't know why, and I should know the answers to this. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna add one more lesson that they need to take away from this. Don't let Robert Rodriguez direct Star Wars. I'm sorry, you had three episodes. And don't and listen, don't get me wrong, I have worked on a Robert Rodriguez film. I think Robert Rodriguez made some really good films, and I will look forward to future Robert Rodriguez films. I really I'm, liked Alita. I'm, I'm not pulling a, a Last Jedi where like, oh, we didn't like Last Jedi, so now therefore we hate everything Ryan Johnson does. No, 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 no. I think Robert Rodriguez is a very talented guy. He's a little hit and miss, but he's made some great stuff, and I will look forward to whatever he does in the future. But don't let him touch Star Wars again. And I, I wasn't going to say that after the first episode he did, and I wasn't going to say that after the second episode he did. I'll say it after the third. I mean, let him do another Star Wars episode before you let me do one, for sure. But I mean, <laughs> I think the final episode here is just don't don't let him do Star Wars. And and if as a Robert, as somebody who admires Robert Rodriguez, I don't want Robert Rodriguez for his sake going near Star Wars again. Focus on the stuff you do that, that you do really well. But I think it became clear. And I think once we get into Obi-Wan and we see Deborah Chow, getting back to it because her episodes of Mandalorian were fantastic and we see her do the entire series. And again, you just look back and look at, despite the fact that they took us completely away from Boba Fett, well, that wasn't Bryce Dallas Howard's choice. That That's the script. Breathe life into it. And man, did she breathe life into it. And I think we're going to see a difference of what happens when a director fundamentally understands how to bring this world to life versus what they did here. I also think there's another lesson I think that applies to Star Wars itself. Star Wars is too up its own ass. And what I mean by that is the original Star Wars, if you go back and you watch Star Wars A New Hope, it's about a farm boy and a truck driver. Forget that it's taking place in a galaxy far, far away. It is about a farm boy who's stuck on his farm, and it's about a guy running moonshine. And they hook up, and they... They, they hook up with a veteran of foreign wars, you know, an old grizzled veteran who says, yo, I need some help with a friend. Let's go, go, let's go off on an adventure. So these two disparate guys who probably would never meet, but they're going to go off on this adventure. Forget that it's set in the Star Wars universe. Tell us a human story mm -hmm. and, and, you know, go back and look at the classic, whether you've got to go back and read your Joseph Campbell or whatever. Take the Star Wars out of it and tell me a story about a person, a character. You can put the Star Wars back in because that's all seasoning. But you got to tell a story, dare I say it, a human story about characters that we as human beings can relate to. It's no longer enough to throw in an X-Wing or throw in an N1 Starfighter or throw in an astromech droid or a Rancor. Forget all of that. Take all of that away. Just write a story about characters, then put in your Star Wars. Because what they are doing is they have forgotten to tell stories about people. But they they really haven't. 
Because they just did that in Mandalorian season one and season but two. But even the Mandalorian suffers a from little, a little bit but from they, that. But I always felt like they were. It was laser focused on Din, and sure. his his journey, his evolution, on starting to understand his past, and and they did that. I want to throw in one other thing too. I'm seeing some people in the live chat saying, just just leave Star Wars to John Filoni uh, or John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Who who do you think just did Book of Boba Fett? Yeah. yeah. That, see, that to me is the big surprising thing because it's not like John Favreau and Dave Filoni don't know Star Wars. They did Mandalorian Season 1 and Mandalorian Season 2 as the executive producers there. John Favreau wrote this whole thing. Filoni wrote a bit of it. They're the executive producers of it. So guess what? Book of Boba Fett is John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Yeah. And that's the part to me that is so shocking because all these lessons I've been talking about, they applied most of them in the Mandalorian two seasons. So I don't know. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Whether you liked or didn't like Book of Boba Fett at the end of the day, I think even if you liked it or didn't, you can say there are probably some lessons to take away. What do you guys think are the lessons to take away from Book of Boba Fett that you hope they apply to future Star Wars shows that gets them back to kind of the core essence of what Mandalorian was or maybe take them to new heights? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with all that down... Let's now move over and start taking your live comments and questions. Now, listen, if you're watching the John Campy show right now and it's not live, you're watching this after the fact, any of the other 22 hours during the day, and you're thinking, how can I get a question or, or an observation read on one of the shows? Well, good news. We do a show now uh, three times a week called Mailbag. And you guys can send in a question anytime that we, either myself or Rob or both of us, will address on that show Mailbag. We just put up a new episode last night, as a matter of fact. If you want to get a comment or question on Mailbag, simply go down to the description of this video. You'll see a tip link. Click on that there or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. Once you guys fill that out, you get there, send in your topic or question, you'll see it on Mailbag, if we deem it appropriate to be used on our show, of course. And, of course, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time. And all of us here at the John Campus Show, thank you guys for that support. All right. With that down, there's one other thing we forgot to talk about. I was going to say, uh, yeah. there's a huge something in the room. We got to talk yeah. about your emotions. We got to talk about emotions, and, and that is this. And I forgot because this kind of popped up at the last second. I wanted to do, hold it off till the end here. I was wondering, I'm like, did I, for, did I forget about Madam Web? Yeah, no. <laughs> Again, I just, I didn't want to do it near the beginning because it is our title topic today. So we put it here at the end. So before I forget again, we need to talk about something else that popped up here today. And that is Jurassic, Jurassic World. And I, I lost my, um, let's see. There we go. Jurassic World. Guys, our final main topic today <laughs> is, of course, Thank you. that a brand new trailer for Jurassic World yes. Dominion has dropped <sighs> and is now out and online. Now, I thought we, we've been talking about Super Bowl and which trailers will or will not appear at Super Bowl. The ones that I've said I think are the best shots are Doctor Strange 2, um, Doctor Strange 2, Top Gun, and Jurassic World. Well, they may play it during the Super Bowl, but they didn't wait for Super Bowl. They decided to drop a brand new trailer Dude. for Jurassic World Dominion. Now, I have been excited about this because, listen, I don't care what anybody else says. I like the last Jurassic World movie. Was it as good as the original Jurassic Park? No, but it doesn't need to be. I thought it was fun and I enjoyed it. 
perfect? No, but pretty darn good, and I had a good time with it. So I've been very excited about this, and they've been putting a lot into it. It was like two years ago that they put out that battle at Red Camp or Red Rock, whatever it was, that little short film that they put out, which I thought, whoo this feels pretty good. And then they put out that whole the Adventures at the Drive-In thing with the T-Rex showing up a while ago. I thought, this looks pretty good. And then we found out, of course, that the original cast is coming back to be main characters in this movie. I'm like, all right, you got me. Well, now they put out the trailer. This trailer's wonderful. This is a wonderful, even for just a first trailer, it did everything. It gave us the settings. It introduced us to the characters. It gave us a sense of what is the status of the world right now here with the Jurassic monsters now running around. You get a little bit of the voiceover coming back from Hammond at the beginning, which is just all, all the nostalgia and all the feels. Seeing the three of the original, the, the three OGs back again, amazing. Hearing uh, Doc and Chris Pratt both at the same time saying, don't move. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is great. The majestic scenery and cinematography of it. It was Jurassic Park. We were back in Jurassic Park. The one thing I will say about this though, is that it we, we don't get that same sense of um, overwhelming awe and wonder like we did in the first Jurassic Park when... Uh, What's Sam Neill's character's name again? Grant? Dr. Yeah. Grant? Mm -hmm. When Dr. Grant sees the, the brontosaurus or something, grabs yeah. the glasses. One of the best shots ever in cinematic history, by the way. Just that, I mean, we don't sense that because that was the first time. We've become desensitized to that a little bit. But I still was overwhelmed by how beautiful this looked. I thought it looked absolutely great. Rob, you had a chance to take a look at this trailer. Number one, let me ask you this. Before watching this trailer this morning, where has your anticipation level been for a Jurassic World Dominion? What did you think of the trailer and where's your anticipation level now? Well, first of all, I don't think it's possible to be a kid in the 20th or 21st century and grow up and not go through a dinosaur phase. Yeah. <laughs> you, everyone goes through a dinosaur phase. And you talk about scholastic, getting scholastic books in elementary school. If I could get a book about sharks or a book about dinosaurs, I would do that. And... I, I, that's one of the reasons I will watch Valley of the Guanji or the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms or all these creature features growing up or them. You make an insect as big as a dinosaur, it's winning always. <laughs> so so to me, one of the things about the first Jurassic Park, and we're, we're 29 years away from the first Jurassic Park, the thing about the Alan Grant moment is not just seeing it on his face, but to see that realistic of a depiction of dinosaurs in the world had never been done before. And it was like, it was a very primal thing from my childhood that I think, and same with Alan Grant, I'm sure when he was a kid, to see it for real, if he was a real guy, it was overwhelming. And it was the kind of thing where you're like, and of course, to add to that, the next part about childhood is that you want dinosaurs in cities. You want them to eat people. You want them to, 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 to crunch cars and run through buildings. I mean, that's another part of that primal thing. So even though Jurassic Park was great, Isla Nublar, or Isla Sorna, whatever, they're on islands and it's tropical, it's Hawaii. But let's face it, it wasn't until the end of The Lost World, Jurassic Park 2, when you've got a tyrannosaur running around San Diego that I felt my loins 
engorged with blood the way they'd never engorged before <laughs> because I'm like, this is it, man. This is what I've wanted to see. I've, I'm excited in a way I didn't. Uh, this was like going through imagination puberty. I'm watching photorealistic dinosaurs running through the city, eating people and destroying stuff. So this trailer, John, first of all, it starts out with snow on the backside of like a brontosaurus. I'm watching snow coming down on dinosaurs as they're walking by people in coats. I mean, dude, I'm, I'm right now I'm, I'm going to tear up. I swear to God. And I started watching this entire trailer and there's one brief shot. I told you when I walked in here, it's an aerial shot. You see the sun either setting or coming up. You see dinosaurs running yes. by the sun and then a wild horse bringing up the yes. rear. Yes. Uh, you so know, and I'm beautiful. thinking like it's an eagle song or something. I don't know, man. I'm like tequila sunrise with dinosaurs. This is it. I'm getting. I was getting oh. teared up. I'm like By the this. Way, I just bringing that that shot you're talking about. Up this this trailer, and then all of a sudden, you're in Europe somewhere, and there's raptors jumping off of like hundreds of thousands of year old buildings and motorcycles. It's like now we're in a James Bond movie with dinosaurs, dude. I gotta tell you, I don't think. I, I, by the end of this trailer, I was like sitting in I, Elizabeth's like watching. That oh, looks nice. And I'm like, oh, my God. $1 billion dollars. I mean, nice. <laughs> this thing is making a billion. Dude, baby. I was watching this and I'm like, I'm like, you know what? There are seldom moments in my life when my childhood and I most of my life is filled with my childhood memories. But this was like something that I've waited. The, the, I've waited. It's kind of got there. It, Jurassic Park's, you know, in Jurassic World, it was cool. We got to see dinosaurs eat people, the giant shark thing that comes out of the water. Yeah, great scene. All that's that great, great, which shot. they repeated and made it even better because they're taking out a fishing boat. John, by the end of this trailer, I'm like, this is, this is a childhood dream that has never left me writ large on the big screen and i dude i'm so there for this movie and i don't even i'm not even a particular i like but this this is like i've been waiting i've been waiting my whole life for this waiting. john waiting oh, i'm getting all i'm feeling it right now i'm feeling it all just for clint i'm just all like oh my god all right. I, I know i might be I, this might be, i might be overselling this but <laughs> But I'm not, no, not kidding. When Rob literally came in the door this morning, the first thing he said to me, I was in tears. <laughs> when, that's the first thing he said to me when he came in the door this morning. Anyway, Chris, you had a chance to watch the trailer. I'll ask you the same question I asked Rob. Where was your anticipation level like for this movie prior to watching the trailer today? Then what did you think about the trailer? It was so high. Um, my first crush on a real person ever was on Dr. Ian Malcolm, like so many people. I was so very in love with him and was like, I'm going to get into science. And I did. Um, I love everything about this trailer. That scene with the horse is so gorgeous. That's just breathtaking. Oh my God. But like seeing that mesosaur just wreck that fishing vessel too and seeing these dinosaurs trying to exist in environments that they are obviously not built for is going to be so fascinating it visually looks stunning having you know ellie sattler back in there who's just the best she's the goat oh and then why why are there dinosaurs at the vatican i don't understand <laughs> why I'm not for why it. not why, why not is that, was that the vatican is that what that was that's what it looks like yeah i mean okay i like it more now it's like why the oh. bargain? why there, not there's that's some the question. like b movie out there too called like raptor priest or something and oh yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah yeah this is the crossover event we've been waiting for <laughs> um but man i am super super hyped about this i think it's going to be so fun ray you uh you watched this trailer this morning what did yes. you think about it okay there's like a couple of things that i go to the theater for you guys already know 
Natural disasters. <laughs> space. Oh, no. Space, a big plus if it, there's like planetary intercourse. Like, <laughs> like you know, with like two, like two planets, two, two planets, two planets running into each other. It's awesome to me. Anything. The moon into Earth, whatever. Getting together. I, I thought um, that was a very different movie. Robots. And then the last thing is dinosaurs. I mean... Of my God, it, the shots on on here are beautiful. Like they're they're introducing new dinosaurs, which is cool to see. And Chris Pratt, although I was saying, although he's not the one of the best actors on my list, he's one of my favorite to see. Every time I see him, I want to see whatever movie he's in, just because his presence is always joyful to me. And the last thing I'll say is, now we know why Deadliest Catch. It's off the air. That Why northwestern, really that's a big job. Northwestern didn't have a chance right there. So yeah, yeah, I'm all pumped. This is gonna make a billion. I might even actually see this twice, depending on the what? duration, <laughs> duration, and if it's good, and if John gets the tickets for me. There you go. Those are the three factors. Important. John, you did make the point when I walked in when I told you I was crying. You pointed out something that somebody had said about what the Star Wars movies didn't do that this showed. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I was watching, you know, we have the, the live chat is open a few hours before the show starts. Yeah, yeah. And somebody wrote in and had mentioned, you know, they did in the trailer for this movie what the Star Wars sequels never did. They gave us all our beloved characters together in one shot. And of course, look, look, I love The Force Awakens, and I, I like The Last Jedi, I hate Rise of Skywalker. But one of the things, even amongst all the things that I like about the Star Wars sequels is you never gave us that moment. You never gave us that moment. And then here I am watching this trailer, and boom, right in the trailer, here's that moment. The two different, the, the park generation, the world generation, all together. And again, with Grant and Pratt at the same time going, don't move, at the same time, there was something, there was a synergy to that, and uh, dare I say a serendipity mm -hmm. to that, that really, really worked for me. And, and it just really hyped, because listen, this has nostalgia factor. You could tell it's gonna have the excitement factor. It's got the little boyism dreams about having seen stuff like this factor. Dude. And oh. it, it faces with, with what Dr. Malcolm points out. There is an existential question that is facing humanity that they've gotta be able to address. They started to address it in previous Jurassic World movies about do these creatures have a right to exist? Because they're here now. Mm -hmm. And how do we approach that? Do we re-extinct them? Do we not? And then Malcolm is bringing that question up again. It's like we may be facing our own extinction. So there's an existential question. Great, glorious, big blockbusterisms going on. Great action. Nostalgia. It seems to be bringing it all together really, really well. Can I ask you guys, when's the last time you guys gone to the museum and looked at these dinosaur fossils? Uh, oh, not bones? since I was in Canada. Last time I went to Chicago, went and saw Big Sue. Yeah, just seeing the size of these actual bones, it's terrifying to think about these things roam, roaming around. And now we see it on the big screen, how they would probably act, just yeah. tearing mm -hmm. everything, everything up. So, like, I love it. I love it. I That's love why my song. husband doesn't trust birds. <laughs> he's like, I know who you came I, from. I think I remember you telling me that before. Yeah, that Logan doesn't like birds. terrified of birds. He hates them so much. And if you ask him about it, he's like, it flies and it's got knives on its feet. What's to like about it? Yeah, why would you trust it? So how does he like eagly? 
I think he actually loves Eagly. Okay, because uh, Eagly ripping some things up there true. in that last e episode. Eagly is letting everyone know exactly who he is, though. Yes. Not trying to be a cute little songbird. We didn't even touch on them, you guys. Blue's got a baby. There's oh a my baby God. Blue. Yeah, right. yeah. Blue's got a baby. Oh, Blue's I, got a baby. I, I forgot about that. There, there it is. Blue's got a baby. And Planetary it's like... intercourse. There's dinosaur yeah, intercourse happening, right? <laughs> Where's okay. the dad, Blue? Uh, I will I will say this, though. There is something fundamentally irresponsible for what Chris Pratt's character is doing. It's like, no, 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 we got to protect her. If she gets out, she's killing people. Yeah. Yep. There are going to be people's deaths yeah. on your hand, Chris Pratt. But I get it. He's got a Blue saved his life. Blue said, okay, so I get yeah. it. But there's a baby Blue. Well, I Terrifying. Just, I hope that the dinosaurs, you know, by getting rid of half the human population of Earth, it brings down... The carbon dioxide in the air and really it's i think it's uh it's going to be a comment on global warming and and it also looks like chris pratt or his character is at the point now where he's just trying to um tame wild dinosaurs not even in the cages right he was like chasing well, yeah, after the dinosaurs the ones that... are out now i mean they're they're right. in the world there is no because more park in the last one he was actually trying to tame dinosaurs that they captured and put in a cage yeah, right. I'm still waiting for when Vin Diesel and Dominic Toretto comes riding riding the T Rex. <laughs> oh man, please don't do that. Oh, you know man. it's coming. It's universal. It's coming. Oh man, because the dinosaurs are family. Oh yeah, family. Family. We got baby, baby blue is family. He's gonna come in there anyway, guys. The question <laughs> is for you: What did you think about the Jurassic World Dominion trailer? We all liked it quite a bit. I mean, it's just a first trailer, not a lot of in depth <laughs> to it, but I think it showed us a lot for a first trailer. I'm loving what we've seen. I didn't cry, but I liked it a lot. Questions for you guys. How did you feel about it? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, now let's go over and start taking your live <laughs> comments and questions that you guys were firing in, shall we? Okay. Chris, what do we got here? We're starting with Arun. The Adam Project looks like Ad Astra, that Ad Astra movie by Brad Pitt, where he goes searching for his lost father, but with time travel. I loved Ad Astra. Um, oh, I'm having a problem. I thought that trailer looked great. You know what? Ad Astra? No, oh. no, the Adam Project. The oh. Adam Project, the one with uh, Ryan Reynolds. Despite the fact that it's my favorite movie star in the world, I didn't have a chance to watch it yet. So it's I have good. I just saw on the Netflix preview that they give us a couple of seconds of it but i yeah i haven't had a chance to watch it yet so maybe that'll be a Me topic too. on tomorrow's it looks, show yeah that looks really good all right yeah. good all right what's next all right casey mack i don't know why but i expected an actual cow to be in the last episode of peacemaker <laughs> i should have known better it was james gunn i mean he had a giant starfish in suicide uh, i mean look we should have cannon. known also before that because they they already revealed that it's giant and they have to burrow underground and yeah. it has to be under there. But I'm I half expected to see the slither monster. I'm not gonna lie. I think I brought that up on the show before. Yeah. I half expected to see the slither that monster. That sounds gross just by its name. Oh, I don't even want to slither monster. What that is. But honestly, <laughs> I I I cannot wait for the finale. I I mean we don't have time. It is it is weird. On Thursdays we normally talk about Peacemaker. We simply didn't have time today to talk about Peacemaker. And I haven't seen it, so don't tell me what the cow is. Oh, okay. Well there you go. But um I, I really love the episode and the stuff. We saw <clears throat> in the trailer for the episode that Peacemaker's finally gonna fight White Dragon. That was far more emotional than I thought it was gonna be. So I, I love the episode. Anyway. All right, what's next? Peter Cunnington, Futurama is coming back. Yes, it is to Hulu. Yeah, I, I'm not going to pretend to be super excited about it. <laughs> I mean, look, Futurama, when it was on, 
like Captain Zap Brannigan and stuff like when it was on, it was on. But I, if I'm being honest, I feel like for every four episodes I would watch, there was one I would laugh my ass off. And then I'd have two or three episodes that were like, yeah, that was all right. And then they'd play another one like, oh my God, that's hilarious. And then a bunch. So I, I'd be lying if I said I was terribly enthused by it, by it I coming mean, back. I'm excited about it, but there's no John DiMaggio. There's no, like, ben, the voice of Bender's not involved. He's not? How do you do Futurama without the voice of well, Bender? Well, he's negotiating. Well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, well, yeah. far, he's not. <laughs> I mean, that's the type of thing they could literally strike a deal before the day before the show airs, rush him into a sound booth, blah, 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 blah read all the lines, drop it in. But it is weird. I mean, uh, uh, Katie Siegel came back yeah. and, and he's not Hopefully holding out the negotiations, but, you know, uh, all right, holding out next? for a hero. <laughs> Cody Hunt, I feel like it should have been revealed that the Pikes hired Cad Bane to kill the Raiders. The rivalry in Bane's death would have been more impactful. I'm not sure. Look, I, honestly, I think the only thing that would have made anything to do with Cad Bane more impactful is that you introduced him earlier in the series and set up the drama between Boba Fett and him. Because without that, the big final fight was felt empty. I mean, I like. I, I think Boba Fett was important for him to have that victory and to kill Cad Bane. I think you had to do that, but you needed to give it more emotional stakes by having it be something that's built up to him just showing up for one scene and saying, "Ah, I shot the sheriff and the deputy." And oh, here I am, I'm back. Uh, it didn't do it. Plus, Corey, it was Corey Burton who did his voice. And the voice it, is so good. So, how do you get so rid good. of that character? To me, that's another misstep the show made. The you don't introduce Cat Bane in live action, <laughs> then dispatch with him. Mm -hmm. Sure, you do. I mean, oh, I have no problem with that. Kill characters are there to be but killed. But the character was great. Yeah. I mean, it was the best thing that they introduced that was new in live action. Yeah. And you oh, get rid of him. Well, and kill him after he served a better purpose than being like, hey, hey I'm going to tell you some stuff you didn't know. Me, me. Other than Darth Vader, the Emperor, and maybe Hannibal Lecter. Amongst a lot of film fans, mm -hmm. they will say, when you ask, who's the greatest movie villain of all time? A lot of people say Alan Rickman's Hans Gruber in Die Hard. They killed him off at the end, first movie, boom. But it was built in and felt a part of the narrative and that it that created that great moment. And I think, honestly, Rob, I think you would feel differently about his ending if they had him in right from the start, maybe not episode one, but if they had Cam Bane from there for like from episode two and they built drama and they built all that and then had this big ending for him, I think it would have felt a lot different. I just think that the character is great. He has a great legacy in the Clone Wars and the animated shows. He's and been around forever. Who why get rid of him? <laughs> He's because another you needed, Darth Maul. But you needed a significant, impactful, real thing for Boba Fett to do at the end. I thought it was one of the few things yeah, they but did again, right. Uh, again, like you said, if you haven't set up that rivalry, he literally walks into... Freetown shoots Cobb Vanth and then talks a little yeah, bit they and then he gets him. killed. It was, no yeah, doubt. it was just another example of the bad writing. They misused him. All right, what's next? Another one from Arun. I felt the stunts in the JW trailer were leaning a little towards the Fast and the Furious territory. If they cross over, I want Dom to fly a pterodactyl and <laughs> land between T-Rex and Raptor and say, family. I didn't think it felt all, I thought it felt pretty damn great. I mean, yeah. I loved what they do, but again, fun. I'm telling you, Dominic Toretto is coming, Arun. All right, what's next? Uh, Enrique, Tom Hiddleston for James Bond. Listen, there, there's a bunch of people that, yeah. that's that's been around for years, and he is in the running. I mean, Night Manager is basically his audition for yeah, it. Yes, yeah. it was. And listen, but there are a lot of great people who could play Bond. And so if it's Tom Hiddleston, great. If it's not, I'm sure they're going to get somebody great to do it. But hey, if they do announce Tom Hiddleston, I'm all for it. All right, what's next? Jacob Hirsch, why was I more emotional from the Chris Eagley hug than the Din Guru uh, the <laughs> hug? <laughs> Which did you prefer? Hashtag me too. Um... I 
No, that's not I prefer that. the eagly Chris hug. That moment, I'm sorry. I for, for, okay, first of all, uh, to me, one of my favorite moments ever on the history of the John Campia show is mentioning they did a great job with the CGI on Eagly and Aaron Cummings going, wait, what? No, seriously, they did such a good job. That was a great moment. All right, what's next? All right, uh, this is from Elizabeth Gerardo. There goes my Jurassic Park Super Bowl trailer prediction out the window. I mean, yeah, me too. But, I mean, it is possible. Like, look, for instance, we just talked about that Dr. Evil GM spot, that is a Super Bowl spot. They're going to be playing that in the oh, Super Bowl. And, and they we, very well could still play this in the Super Bowl. And it might only be 30 seconds. They've released a long... Say, See uh, the full trailer now online. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know, that's a really I, good point. I don't think these uh, these movie studios are wanting to spend that money anymore. They have YouTube now. Yeah. Not, not when you can just take advantage of Super Bowl Sunday, call it your Super Bowl trailer, and just... That's why when the Amazon thing came out and said... We're going to be dropping this trailer on Super Bowl Sunday. Mm -hmm. Not we're dropping it on yep. the Super Bowl. It's just so much money. We can, mean, we can save $7 million. But also the people, I mean, we forget we live in this space where we're completely up on all this stuff. Most people aren't. Mm. You know, the general population True. is not watching YouTube the way we are. That's You're right. All right, what's next? Josh Ward enjoyed the Jurassic World trailer. Based on their trailer track record, the final shot is the climax of the movie, and they'll definitely show more of it. I'll avoid future trailers. Great to see Diplosaurus. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think this is the this is the type of quality of trailer where I think there are going to be a lot of fans who are like, I'm sold, I don't need anything else. Yeah. The average movie fan watches every trailer that you can, but I think there are going to be some diehards who are like, that's it, I, I am now sold on this movie. You know what I want the end of this movie to be? I want it to end, whatever happens ends, and then it fades to black and it fades up and it says 65 million years from now. <laughs> and we see Earth, and there's a sentient dinosaur population. So you want the Planet of the Apes of the Jurassic yes. Park era? Yes, <laughs> 100%. So the Earth comes full circle. Humanity didn't work. And where's the we, moon at this point? We engineered our own Where's demise. the moon at this point? Where's oh, the moon? It's, it's still there. Okay. Populated by dinosaurs who built a moon base. <laughs> it writes itself. All right, what's next? Dante Seraki, movie club consideration, The Long Kiss Goodnight. I love The Long Kiss Goodnight. I mean, one of the the earliest Sam Jackson movies. I, I, I That is a really great movie that not a lot enough people, I think at some point that may come up. All right, what's next? P-Mac. So who got done more dirty? Sasha Banks at the Royal Rumble or Kermit the Frog and Miss Picky's sons getting pushed off the cliff? Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, the poor Gamorian. I, listen, I'll tell you what, I actually felt that. I was like, no. No, no, I, I felt it when the Gamorreans got pushed off the, the cliff. I like that scene. 100% they got done dirtier. They definitely did. All right, what's next? Game of LaBelle. Got my tickets for the Batman IMAX March 2nd. What's what's on March 2nd? Uh, it must be an international it, market. Yeah, it's pro yeah because mm -hmm. in Australia, it's March 2nd. Ah, the, okay. Hey, good on you, uh, Guillaume. That's awesome, man. All right, what's next? T-Bone. Can't believe how much Gunn gave us in episode 7 in 37 minutes. Maggie was right about him being a great storyteller. I didn't even feel like anything was rushed or crammed in. He's like the anti-Boba director. This is the weird thing. Last <laughs> night's episode, I know Rob hasn't seen it, so and, and we didn't give any spoiler warning, so we're not going to go into details here, but last night's episode, it felt fully realized. And did he write and direct again? He wrote it. He didn't He didn't direct this one, but he wrote He wrote this episode. It's written. It's funny because the first credit that comes up is written by James Gunn, but it is a fully realized episode. It has, what is this episode focusing on? How do we focus on it and further the overall story and bring it to a really satisfying conclusion? And and it, it just was a fully realized, wonderful thing with emotion, excitement, great laughs. 
I'm just going to say one word or one phrase. And if you've seen the episode, you'll know the entire context. If you haven't seen the episode, then you won't know the context and you'll just have to see the thing. But the one thing I'll say is for those of you who have seen it, hashtag me too. See, I I went right over it with the comments here where I was oh. like, that's not the right way to say that. And <laughs> I then know. I was like, sorry, I, guys. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to laugh out along. But anyway, you'll see it when you see the thing. All right, what's next? All right, Josh Pollard, one of four. The Batman will be my first time seeing a movie at the uh, TCL Chinese Theater. Nice. A bucket list location of mine since moving to California from the UK five years ago. On top of that, the weekend of 3-4 is also the weekend that I can finally apply for American citizenship. Oh, congratulations. Wow, you're uh, you're going to be stoked seeing that movie in the uh, TCL Theater. Yes. Uh, I technically moved in August, but the paperwork didn't process fully until March. I also got tickets to see it uh, 3 1, 7 p.m. IMAX with two people. Nice. 3 3, 3 p.m. IMAX with six people. Wow. 3 3, 11 p.m. Dolby Prime by myself. <laughs> Almost $300 in total. Oh, so worth it. Plus, I can get three of those back from my employee discount at the theater. Oh, that's as perfect. Full, as a full time manager, we get nine free tickets a month, and I'm using up those eight in those two days. Worth okay, it. first of all, that is awesome, Josh. Thank yeah. you for writing that in. Okay, and I, I, listen, I got to say this too. Talk about. First of all, your first experience in the Chinese, it's great. One of my favorite movie-going moments in my life was I got invited to, when I got my invitation to the premiere of Star Wars The Force Awakens. First, I still remember, I think I was on air live. I think I was on air live, but I think me, Harloff, and Ellis were on air live. And my phone beeped, and I looked at my phone while, while the camera's on Christian. I went, guys, oh my God. And like, what? Like, I let me just read this to make sure I got it right. Oh my god, I just got invited to the world premiere of The Force Awakens, and it was at the Chinese Theater. And I remember going there that night at the Chinese Theater where the original Star Wars debuted. And I'm sitting in there, and I'm like, I am sitting where so many years ago, the first time Star Wars, like the first premiere of star wars the original star wars was here in this building and now i'm sitting here at the premiere of the first new one it was my favorite dude you're going to the chinese soak it in soak it in as you walk in there think about the history in that building it is the world's most famous movie theater and i hope you have a great time man all right What's next? Josh Molinari. Got my Batman tickets for March 4th, 7 p.m. IMAX. Also, what are your guesses for the songs that will be played at the halftime show? Ooh. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, obviously, California, they, whatever. I, I think there's the, um, uh, what about Dre? You forgot about Dre. I think that's going to be obviously. But remember, it's not just Dre and Snoop. You also got Mary J. Blige, I believe, yep. is the other one. Mm -hmm. And you got Kendrick Lamar. So there's going to be, it's not just going to be a long list of the best of Dr. Dre and Snoop. <clears throat> it's it's going to be like a wide range. So and, and let's talk about Snoop buying Death Row Records. Oh, that's oh, right. I saw that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that came across. Oh, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, go Snoop. It's like the that, king of the that's hill. That's the ultimate I win. Yeah. That's the ultimate <laughs> I win. Or why not? Why not? It's not I win, it's why not? Why not? Tick, tick, boom. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Whatever, whatever he does. Because 
when you really when you know the history oh, of, yeah. of, of you know of yeah. death row and and him for him now to be the owner is where like, will should knight be watching that halftime show oh, from this weekend and yeah. he has that full-size xbox fridge <laughs> that's right that everyone that's should have. man his streams he's, he's the same when he forgets to turn off his streams anyway okay <laughs> what's next all right, this is from Brandon Blake. I wasn't very excited for J-World or Jurassic World 3, but take my money after this trailer. Mm -hmm. I'm in. I also enjoyed seeing the best uh, Star Wars director in the trailer. Oh, seeing Bryce oh, in there. Oh, seeing Bryce Dallas Howard in yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, look, and ultimately at the end of the day, guys, that is the job of a trailer. The job of a trailer, do you know if a trailer successful is? Take your excitement level, no matter if it's high or if it's low. If watching a trailer bumps that excitement level up a couple of notches, your trailer did its job. This trailer did its job. And I think you're a great example of that, Brandon, so are the rest of us here, and I hope we all enjoy it that much. All right, what's next? Cutter Hale, thank God for cancellations. I was able to score three tickets for March 1st. Nice. Jurassic World trailer was awesome. UFC 271, um, my money's on Isaiah and on the Black Beast Gotta Rep, Texas. I Yeah, because uh, Stylebender fight is this weekend. I oh, believe it's Style, style by, uh, and Stylebender and Whitaker go at it again. Hey, Whitaker's a different fighter now than when they mm. fought the first time. And Stylebender has shown he's vulnerable with his loss to Jan. So, I mean, this could be a really exciting fight. I'm super stoked for it. And, man, I'm excited for you, Carter, that you're able to get your tickets for the first screening, man. All right, what's next? Casey Mack, from the Jurassic World trailer, I was so happy to see a Dilophosaurus. Sorry. Dilophosaurus. Am I, I saying never that? say it right. Uh, dinosaur right? Actually getting some screen time. The Spitter Dino. Favorite dino from JP1. That is my least favorite thing on the ride, though, because it gets you right in your face with its nasty doo-doo water. <laughs> it does. It. it really does. It gets you in the I, eyes each time. You're going to get a little wet when you ride that ride. Yeah. I remember the first time I got on that ride, I saw some people putting on some garbage bags. I'm like, what's that about? Oh, that's why. Yeah. But yes, that and they gave you the full close-up. Yeah, you're right. That thing is terrifying as Newman mm -hmm. gets bites it at it. Yeah. You're right. That was great to see. All right, what's next? Horsey XC1, UFC 271, John. I hope Bobby Knuckles gives it a better go and Tommy versus Derek Lewis will be insane. Main card, what a rematch. Stylebender is dangerous. Listen, he is one of the most exciting fighters to watch. He's not my favorite fighter, but Stylebender is, like Asanya, is one of the most unpredictable, exciting kind of fighters to watch. I, I, I mean, Stylebender is the perfect name for him. His fight with, um, uh, why, why, uh, uh, with against Anderson was Anderson Silva was like such I mean Anderson Silva had was way past his prime but still watching Anderson Silva the the, the past versus Stylebender the present it was a beautiful fun fight to watch and uh he's a fun it's this is gonna be a great fight all right what's next another one from Dante I'm looking at Rob a bit differently now after he recommended Bible Black to Aaron or have uh, I always uh, seen Rob that way <laughs> bring on the filthy okay I'll bite what the hell is Bible Black Oh boy! Is it K-pop? Bible Black is an animated hentai, okay. demonic hentai series. Okay. I, can, I'll, I can get on board with that. I just and, thought it was going to be K-pop. And it is. Um, you can get on board with tentacle porn, but not K-pop. Yes. For why? Come on, dude. Are you going to? I think there's more fun. artistic merit to tentacle porn than there is to K-pop. Come on, Black Pink in your area. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. I don't know. It's just La Lisa, yo. What is up? All right, what's next? Cody Hunt, <laughs> the new JW films have a very polished aesthetic that I hate. JP3 has my favorite film look. The dinos blend naturally in that film, even in daylight. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can get on board with that because 
What we saw in that short of Battle of Red Rock, am I saying, is that the right title, by the way? Is it Battle of Red Rock? I don't know. It's, it's sure. Battle at something, anyway. Uh, what we saw in there, and then what we saw, in, and the aesthetic we kind of felt in the uh, in the drive-in theater bit that they put out, I, I thought it felt really good. I, I mean, yeah. I didn't feel like it felt overly clean and polished at all. But look at the stuff and what we saw in this trailer with the snow and the that it's shot beautiful. with the wild horses. You know, come on. There's so much texture. I, I don't think it's polished. I think it looks just beautiful. I, yeah. If polish is a word to say really well done, then yeah. then yes, sure, Cody. We'll see, we'll see. All right, you might be right, Cody. We'll find out. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher got my Batman ticket, 3-5 at 11 a.m. at Dolby Prime. That is awesome at the Dolby Prime. That would be my nice. choice as well. Have a very good time there, Sam. All right, what's next? City of Swift. The Dominion trailer was neat. Got me excited. Watching Death on the Nile and Blacklight tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to go see Death on the Nile tonight. I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. I, I'm not going to lie. I have no interest to see Blacklight. I mean, I love Come Liam, on, dude. I love Liam Neeson's. I do. I love Liam Neeson. Neeson's. All of the last Come on. eight last films have all been the same. Yes. I've already seen this movie. Yeah. I've seen it. I'll tell you, they're better than the eight previous Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis movies. Yeah. Yes. Liam Neeson does I not mean, have his look, own. I mean, look, here's the thing. He might, he might uh, whether he's driving a truck on the ice, whether he's in Europe fighting terrorists, I will see Liam Neeson in anything. Yeah. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher, meant to send this yesterday, but I'm sorry, Pikes, but if you're cutting and running after one battle, I won't be scared of you. Well, I mean, that's the thing, like, whoa. They got like 30 or got, 30 guys showed up, but then by the end, they had killed like 50 in about two minutes and a bunch more. You're right, after one fight, it's like, time for us to leave, but I will say this, I love that ending. I love their ending. It was a very Godfather moment as Fennec showed up and assassinated all of them. I did like that. I just don't understand why they don't just all get along. Like, why do they, if they've all got parts of their city, why were they even interrupting each other? Okay. Who cares? Here, here I got to tell you guys this. So, Ray really likes the music to Book of Boba Fett. Dun, 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 I do dun, too. Right? I just like, the, like, mainly the beginning where hey, it's okay. like, yeah. well, huh. Yeah, huh. like, right? the okay. way it comes that's, in, that's it's fine. just so, and the way they popped it in after the intro is so, cool. woo, you know what I mean? So the other day, Ray decides that knowing the Book of Boba Fett and what the show is like, he decides to make up lyrics for that music. <laughs> and we're we're in the car. It's like, dun, dun, dun. if we have problems, we can work it out. <laughs> Let's all be friends now. And but it's just going on. And I, I'm like, oh, my God. Because, like, yeah, that's Boba Fett. Let's work it out. Let's be friends. The Care Bear of it. So hard wow. but nothing. I, I laughed my ass off. Okay, what's next? Ash Collins, is it only me who wants to go back to Coruscant? I'd imagine so, I'd imagine so but thoughtfully, I'd ask anyway. I like um, Coruscant. It's fine. Well, well, number one, Coruscant's destroyed. Well, I guess not in this time period. Yeah. Uh, unless there's a reason to go back there, I'm fine with them not going back there. Although I do like, I mean, I love the design of the city. Mm -hmm. I do. All I right, mean, it's nice. still there. It's still there at yeah. this time. At this time, does Coruscant get blown up? Yes. Yeah, in the in the sequels. Yeah. Like twelve what? players get blown oh, up. No. Robert, <laughs> what's next? Rumor Bulldog just saw. Oh wait, him. what about oh. Josh? Oh, I thought that was his other one from before. Excuse me. Uh, have you guys seen the trailer for the unbearable weight of massive trailer uh, talent? Yep. Looks bonkers. Nick Cage stars as himself, who takes a job from the CIA as an informant going to visit a billionaire superfan's house for the weekend. Who going happens to visit to... Boba Fett. Yeah. Who happens to be a drug That's kingpin played by Pedro Pascal. It even advertised itself as the most Nicolas Cage movie ever. Listen, I'll tell you what. Yeah. My, when we had heard about this one for a while, 
But my first exposure to it was when Aaron and I were at CinemaCon and they did a big presentation on it. And I'm, I'm like watching this. I'm like, okay, this is either going to be one of the greatest things we've ever seen or it is going to be one of the worst things we've ever seen. Like there's not going to be any middle ground on this one. I am so curious to watch this movie though. I am so curious to watch this movie. It's such a cool premise. Pedro Pascal looks so good in this. Like the way him and Nick Cage play off each other looks great. I cannot wait to. Check I love. I, I, it's so dumb, but that scene on the wall. Oh my oh, god! They're trying to. <laughs> yeah, I got a feeling that scene perfectly embodies the entire movie. <laughs> I really do. All right, what's next? Now, Rumor Bulldog just saw the new episode of Peacemaker. It was fantastic. It was absolutely wonderful. It was a great. What's what's the word penultimate when it's the second last? Yeah, episode? penultimate. It was a perfect penultimate episode i am just I, I listen i'm just bummed out realized when that episode ended last time i'm like oh my gosh that's so great there's only one episode left and then what are we going to do every week uh, we're well just gonna have to wait for obi-wan which night uh oh, when oh. Is, what's that's right march, march 30th, 30th. Yeah. Right, comes up first that's right all right what's next kevin frazier jurassic world no way home is upon us <laughs> no moons in sight so i think this one will be good ray get ready I mean, you got the heroes from multiple generations showing up it is jurassic I world want planetary intercourse no way with the planet. i'm all about planetary intercourse all right what's next all right, Alex Von Golem. Hi, everyone. I loved the first installment of Movie Club. Thank you, man. For upcoming episodes, could you please consider The Godfather and Return of the King? Oh, I, I think it goes without saying that at some point in Movie Club, we will be covering those films. Yeah. It like, is being oh, re-released I'll take, this a, month. I'll take a leave of absence. Godfather's <laughs> being re-released this month, so there's going to be people that go to theaters and see it for the first time. I know. Time. I've never seen it on the big screen. I'm going to be going to see it for, for my first time on the big screen. I cannot wait. I can't wait to see this restoration. Oh, John, the chat says that we're wrong. It wasn't Coruscant who was, that was blown up. It was the Hosnian system. That's right, because they so, moved. That, that's right. They moved the capital world. Yeah, I was, that's why I was confused. Say, I don't think I'm going to out Star Wars Robert Burnett. So. That's right. I, I totally, totally forgot that. That was the. I was uh, going to get sad and cry. I just remember yeah, they destroyed the capital you. world, but they had moved the capital world. That's right. Where am I going to get my death sticks if Coruscant's not <laughs> no longer around? Death sticks. All right, what's next? G Town Rules 09. Going to LA next week and indecisive on which movie theater to check out. What do you guys recommend, even if it's a badass AMC? No, I mean, look, ultimately, look, the AMC theaters are my favorite theaters. That is my theater of choice to go to, despite the fact that I think their CEO is an incompetent boob. But besides that, they have, yeah, they're not going to be buying sponsorships on this show anytime soon. But they are my number one theater of choice. I love AMC theaters. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously, I've got a history with AMC theaters, but I love the theaters. If you're coming to LA, you have to go to the world's most famous movie theater. You have to go to the Chinese theater. And remember, when you go, they're not the ch there's there's two different. There's the main auditorium, then there's the six upstairs. Yeah, don't go to the six. Go to no. the. You want to go to Growlins or the TCL Chinese Theater? Yeah. yeah, make sure you don't get confused because I did once and I was really bummed out. El Capitan right. can be worth going to. It is incredibly uncomfortable. Which one? Uh, the El Capitan the El Cap Theater. Yeah, but it's not a comfortable theater. It's not a comfortable oh, yeah. theater at all. You go because they're doing a special showing. Like we went and saw the Muppets there, and the Muppets were there in person, and we watched them sing Rainbow Connection. Did you and have the organ player? Yeah, the organ, yeah, play, you yeah. the organ player. It, it is it's magical. Go, first of all, if you go into the El Capitan, which is literally right across the street from the Chinese, mm -hmm. um, it is. You just look around the theater. It is gorgeous, but it's a yeah. very uncomfortable theater yeah. to watch a movie in. All right, what's next? All right. Josh Pollard again. Rob mentioned in yesterday's mailbag that Ray has a very interesting reason as to why he's a Bengals fan. Well, I don't really follow American sports. Would love to hear it. I got to know. Why is Ray a Bengals fan? Okay, let's real quickly. My dad, he's was only a basketball fan 
Lakers Big fan. Lakers guy. So when I was born, it was immediately only Lakers, whatever. Yeah, that's all. That's it. So with football, it was like my own choice to actually pick a team. And um, so I knew nothing of football. My mom takes me to Baskin and Robbins. And it's one of those times where they actually have the helmets right. that you actually put the ice cream in. Um, so this lady, I, I was like, which one, which one? This lady brings out a placemat that shows all the helmets. And you knew which one I was going to pick. <laughs> it was the one with the tiger stripes. And, it, you know, you actually had to put the stickers on there. So it was the, the one thing I remember putting together myself for the very first time. Like you had to put the stickers on. I did a crap job. But that's been my team ever since. Yep, and that's then Ann started following them because you followed them. Yeah, and I have no connection to Cincinnati. It's funny when I wear a Cincinnati um, shirt and I go to the store and they're like, oh, you're from Cincinnati? I was like, no. no. You, but why are you a Bengals fan? And then I have to tell the because story. Because of Baskin and Robbins. Because of Baskin because and of Robbins. Because cream. of the 31 flavors. Because of ice cream. <laughs> All right, let's keep going here. What's next? Elizabeth Dorado. Am I wrong to say that the cow doesn't look happy to be there with the butterflies? Maybe it'll side with the non-butterfly humans. Again, we don't want to go into too many details because we didn't do a spoiler warning on it, but uh, you're, you're not wrong. The yeah. cow did not look happy. The cow did not look happy at all, Elizabeth. I cannot wait for next week's episode. All right, what's next? Mr. Nipples, normally don't have time to watch the show. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Re Reread that again one more time. <laughs> His name is Mr. Nipples. Um, normally don't have time to watch the show live, but I'm up early today and have the day off work. Just want to say I love you all. Have an excellent day. Well, we're so Thanks, glad you're Mr. Nipples. Drop in and join us today, Mr. Nipples. Please give our wow. best to Mrs. Nipples. Uh, we hope you guys have a fabulous day. Yeah. All right, what's next? Max Papano. Hey, guys, I just saw the trailer for The Adam Project. I know it's a Netflix movie, but this one looks interesting. What do you guys think? It's my favorite movie star in the world, Ryan Reynolds. But the last time my favorite movie star in the world, Ryan Reynolds, was in a Netflix movie, it was shit. And so... Sean Levy made this one, though. It looks good. From the director of Free Guy. I know. I, I, I Look, I, I'm going to have to see it. But I, I have no faith in it. Because it's, it's like E.T. E. meets The Last no Starfighter. Ooh. Meets Frequency. Yeah. But, Ooh. I mean, look, it, it, when you hear, <laughs> the, going. When you hear the theory behind Red Notice, <laughs> it sounds great. But I, I like it's, uh, so I don't know. I'm gonna have to see it and be convinced. I'm gonna have to see and be convinced. All right, what's next? Living with Dameron. I'm in Arkansas and coming to LA for my fifth anniversary. Congratulations, people come to LA. Actually, got tickets to the Chinese theater. I'm opening night for the Batman. Rob's advice. The dude, that is awesome. First of all, happy anniversary to you, dude. And I hope you have a great time in LA. And I hope you have an absolutely great time visiting the Chinese theater, man. You made a great choice, dude. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? Danito, should Marvel Studios make movies outside the MCU? Absolutely not. Disney has other studio arms to do that stuff. Your Marvel Studios do Marvel movies. All right, what's next? At a time, 1985, did you know that Licorice Pizza is the first MGM movie in 34 years to get a Best Picture nomination? The last one was 1988's Rain Man. I love wow. it when our viewers live can throw in some great little trivia for yeah. that. I had no idea. I and never would have guessed won. that. What's that? Rain Man won Best Picture. Oh. That year, that's right. And when I go to Vegas, they usually put me in the Rain Man suite. Yes, they'd write. True story. Uh, the, the the VIP folks over at Caesars, whenever we go to Vegas, they always they always treat us so great when we go to Dude, Vegas. Dude, last time you took me there, man, I gotta say, I love I love Caesar's Palace. It's, it's they they took care of us. They put yeah, us up in Caesar's they Palace. Knew, 
Plus, the whole, I love the whole casino, the whole grounds, the outdoor area. The great restaurants, great shopping. I'm happy to be a shill for Caesar's Palace, man. Oh, I, dude, I, 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 listen, not just Caesar's Palace, but all of Caesar's hotels there. Like I, my next favorite hotel besides Caesar's is actually Planet Hollywood. I love Planet Hollywood. I love going there. All their hotels are so great. But uh, yeah, and it was. I remember the first time they put us in the Rain Man suite. It's like. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I, think, I wasn't there with you. No, not that one. But we took Anne and, and your mom, Ray. We took your mom, and she was there in the Rain Man suite with us. It was really fun. Did you play the Hans Zimmer score? When I you did not, but it probably should have. All right, what's next? All right, uh, Josh Pollard, one of three. I just read the Before the Batman prequel novelization, and there's a lot of interesting details in it, and makes some interesting changes to Batman's backstory. Bruce was a street racer, building his car yep. himself at 16, where there was a food delivery driver, and the Waynes sold the manor when Bruce was six to Gotham City. Um, uh, or Gotham City Orphanage, and went to live in Wayne Enterprise. The Batcave is also an abandoned private rail station between the rail... Uh, Wayne Enterprise and Wayne Manor. Yeah, and in the in the in the novelization, the prequel novelization too, like he doesn't fall through a thing to discover. He actually uses the Batcave. What what later becomes the Batcave is this place to fix up his cars and stuff like that. So they they do a little bit of tech. You know what? When you're doing a new iteration of a character, I think you, the the writers director should have some liberties for that to do fun. that. It's gonna be as long as you don't mess with the fundamentals then I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Now, I haven't read the novelization myself. I'm, th I'm probably going to pick up the audiobook of it and give it a listen. So I'm kind of excited for it. I'm surprised you didn't pick it up. I didn't realize it was out. I'll get it right Same. now. As soon as this show's over, I'm going to Amazon. Yeah. All right, good call. All right, what's next? Okay, Major. Hey, everyone. Been going through all the Bond films from the beginning for like the millionth time. Nice. Just saw Man with the Golden Gun. Such a quirky movie. I, I think it's fair to say yeah. a number of the Bond films are quirky. Such a yeah, bad that, uh, song. Come on, man. He has a, a powerful weapon. He charges a million a shot. Oh, it's so bad. An assassin, second to none. The man with the golden gun. I, I've talked to a few people mm -hmm. who have like, well, it's Lulu, only man. started watching James Bond movies with like one or two of maybe the Pierce Brosnan and then into the Daniel Craig era. And then have gone back and watched some of the older ones and like, <laughs> those weren't very good. And I was like, no. Some of them are really awesome, but yes, if you pick the wrong one, it can come across as a little. Uh, Don't watch Diamonds Are Forever. Ever. Ugh. All right, what's next? Unbeatable. Reacher was badass, and so was Richardson in the role. Already can't wait for season two. So much more room to fit in a book into a series than a movie. I Agreed. mean, that's it. Depends if you've got the right filmmaker who knows how to do it right. You can make a book series in magnificent films. Look at the Lord of the Rings. Yep. Three books, three movies. Bang! Greatest things ever. I mean, so you can do that. It all depends on how you approach and adapt it. But I am I am very excited for them to do season two. I kind of wish it was coming out sooner. Me too. I'm glad you guys turned me on to it. Me all right, too. What's next? Suthius, Cord was cut 10 years ago, but I always had issues watching the Olympics. I'd watch highlights on YouTube. Now I can watch the events on Cock of the P. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Whenever I open up Peacock now, and that's all it is, is like yeah. all the Olympics it's stuff great. is right there. I mean, yeah, when I became a cord cutter over a decade ago, the biggest struggle was live sports. But now with YouTube TV, I can get my live sports. ESPN mm. has done a very good job with their app. I can watch my sports there. And now, like, all streaming services are bringing it in. So it has been very helpful. Uh, John, uh, Coke cutting is a completely different yeah. thing. <laughs> Did I say Coke cutting? So, yeah. you know, said yeah. coke Back cutting when I was doing my Coke okay, cutting. <laughs> yeah, I did that like 10 years ago. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that was a different era. All right, what's next? Sebastian Gonzalez, ready for Jurassic World Dominion, but hate it because of Clone Girl. Oh, I, I, you know what? I don't care what anybody says. I don't mind that character at all. 
I really don't. I think the character's perfectly fine. I liked her in that movie. I know some people got kind of turned off by it. I thought it was a perfectly good yeah. storyline, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. All right, what's next? Josie Reviews. I liked Death on the Nile. I thought it took story beats of the original Nile film, but I thought it was better made and more engaging. I, listen, I am very excited to go see it tonight. I remember when we came out of Moonfall, we saw Dennis Zen, and he had just, he came out of an early screening of Death on the Nile, and I like told him, I think I saw the wrong movie. I've been looking forward to seeing it. I love Kenneth Branagh. I wasn't a big fan of uh, Murder on the Orient Express, but still, I got more hope for this one, so we'll see. All right, what's next? Uh, Cutter Hale, in my opinion, the ending of Jurassic Park is one of the greatest endings after mainly uh, ever, ugh, punctuation, y'all, help me out. In my opinion, the ending of Jurassic Park is one of the greatest endings ever, mainly for the amazing music by the goat. It makes me feel happy. I'm telling you what, man, the music in Jurassic... It, Jurassic Park music doesn't often come out when you talk about the all-time great scores. But really, look, this trailer starts and you just hear the notes. Na, na, na. And you're like, you instantly, your imagination, your mind, your heart is taken there. And, 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 and it's got that part, but also the March version of it. Yes. It's great. Oh, it's so wonderful, man. All right, what's next? City of Swift. I'd like to submit for that fan screening as I'm off Fridays, but dang, I'll be watching it three times that day already. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> good luck to everyone, though. It'd be good to have you here. Yeah, and yes, so tomorrow, much. tomorrow on the John Campbell Show, we will let you guys know if you live in and around the LA area, or hell, if you want to fly in, we will let you know how to score an invitation to come to us to the special John Campbell Show fan screening of the Batman on the 4th. This right, might ruin a plan of Logan's though because he wanted to always be never seen and just be a weird character that was in our chat oh he wanted to be the snuffle up against yeah, the John exactly. Campbell show exactly he wanted well, to be an imaginary character you can just pretend he's someone else that's true uh, that's right yeah. I'm a fan from Boston yeah just don't hang out with me alright okay. <laughs> K Major what is your favorite Bond film outside of the Craig films mine is Living Daylight and From Russia With Love Ooh. Rob From Russia With Love I think is the best it's the closest to Ian Fleming's novels but I mean, Goldfinger's a favorite. I, my favorite Roger Moore. I can tell you this. My favorite Sean Connery is Goldfinger. My favorite Roger Moore is Spy Who Loved Me. My favorite uh, Pierce Brosnan is Goldeneye. My favorite Timothy Dalton is Living Daylights. And my favorite Daniel Craig is um, Casino Royale. The first James Bond film I ever watched. Which was what? Octopussy. Oh. I mean, I, I, and so that, so look, if that wasn't it, I don't know what would be, but that's just always stuck with me and whatever. And obviously, Daniel Craig films, Casino Royale, the Daniel Craig version is my all time favorite Bond film. But, but Octopussy I mean, has a great pre title sequence when he steals the acro jet. I, I love everything about the movie. It was my first Bond experience. I'm like, if this is what James Bond is, I'm in. Oh, you're right. a Toro too. I love that. <laughs> What's next? Uh, ignore sin. Hey guys, love the show. Do you think that we'll get a trailer for Fantastic Beasts Secret of Dumbledore this Sunday at the Super Bowl? It's releasing on April 15th and yet no trailers are released. You might want to rethink that yeah. uh, because <laughs> yes, there has been. And uh, it looks really good. It yeah. looks yeah, the trailer's really good. I think the trailers look really great. So no, I'm not expecting a brand new one there. But yeah, they've been putting that out. I, look, I wouldn't be. I'm not going to be shocked if they play another one. But I feel like they just had one not long ago. I don't think they need to spend it. But if they do, they do. But yeah, go back and double check that. I think you're in for a surprise. All right, what's next? <laughs> Jacob Hirsch, do you think toys will come to life in Lightyear? The cat has a lot of emotions. Also, Buzz video game at the start of Toy Story 2. Sorry for ruining <laughs> Rob's idea. Uh, no, I do not think they're going to do that. But listen, man, it takes a lot to say, I like a cat. Uh, and I like that cat. I think that cat is pretty cool. So. I do too. But no, I don't think, I really honestly don't think, and I could be wrong. I mean, this movie could open with Andy 
saying, let me tell you about my favorite toy, one of my favorite toys growing up. It was the Buzz Lightyear. And he, like, you had this idea that he wrote this story for it. Of course, it'd be violating a lot of copyright, but uh, it's possible. But honestly, I think there's going to be zero connection in this movie to the toys. I don't think there's going to be any right. connection to it. But we'll find out, though. All right, what's next? template i hated fallen kingdom but like a moth to a flame i'm a sucker for dino movies so i love that trailer although i could have done without clone girl i get a lot of hate for clone girl i don't I mind clone fine. girl at all what's wrong with clone girl yeah, I, I like the story kind of twist they did with that I, I thought that was pretty cool i mean listen it's the next logical step if 25 years earlier they could clone dinosaurs then ain't that big of a step that they were able to do that anyway that's just me but hey it didn't work for you didn't work for you that's perfectly fine all right what's next uh guillaume Guillaume LaBelle, Austin Powers is extremely ripe for another sequel. No kidding. Please, Mike Myers. I once watched Michael Myers trying to beg, I can't remember which coach it was, to come out of retirement to come and coach the Leafs because the Leafs sucked. And he was like, come to us. We need you. I feel like doing that with Mike Myers. We need you. Movie fandom needs you back, Myers. If they can make Coming to America, they can make another Austin Powers That's movie. That's damn right mm -hmm. they can. And I'll be there for it. All right, what's next? Condiment King. One of the greatest villains ever. I've been watching the Harley Quinn show, and I wasn't expecting the amount of violence and gore it has. Threw me off at first. I didn't know it was R. Tell you what, we. I was just over. You're going you're gonna to hear the name Martika mentioned on this show a bunch in the near future, and we'll tell you why later. But Ann and I went over to Vic and Martika's house the other night and we were watching, I can't remember what, what we watched first, but we were watching something on HBO Max and then there was the Harley Quinn menu. And oh man, I love Harley Quinn. They're like, yeah, I hear this pretty good. And we're like, you guys have never seen Harley Quinn? And we watched the first episode of Harley Quinn and we got them hooked. And you're right. You forget how violent that show is. It's so brutal. It is so brutal. And uh, I love that show so much. I cannot wait for the next season. All right, what's next? Soothius, on this week's Hot Ones, White Wolf himself says he wants to do a travel food show with his partner, Anthony Mackie. I really hope this comes true. Uh, listen, Me travel too. food shows are great. I said I'd watch that. Watch I would watch that too. That. So wait, White, does that mean that- Sebastian, Sebastian Stan? Stan. Okay, I, gotta, I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't either. I'm excited. I'm dying. Oh, the the hot ones you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, the hot ones. I thought I'd say, I've never watched Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yet. No, 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 no. But I, <laughs> no. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I didn't know that they did that this week. Are uh, you a hot sauce guy, Rob? Oh yeah. Okay, Listen, sweet. I got last dab. I'll bring it. I I am all for. I love seeing <laughs> I've never had it. on screen people do real life stuff together more than Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan doing a traveling food show, like eating at the best places. I want a Patrick Stewart, Ian, Mc, Ian McKellen oh, yeah. travel show. You have those guys. Just, I don't even care if it's just England. Traveling around to the different English cities, eating at their favorite pubs and that. So I would watch the shit out of that show. Yeah. Every week, no questions asked. All right, what's next? All right, uh, from Nikki, Death on the Nile is releasing this week. What are your thoughts about the movie? I haven't seen it yet, but I am excited to see it. I am it's, too. It's, it's it, apparently, it was like shot in 70 millimeter. It looks incredible. Ooh. Yeah, I've heard it looks beautiful, so I'm looking forward to checking it out. All right, what's next? Danito, opinion on The Exorcist, filmed at my school. It's an all-time classic horror film. I know you one of your it's, favorites. It is my favorite horror movie of all time. And I, I you know, simple. I yeah. mean, to, to look, anything with Satan with peak verisimilitude, I'm in. <laughs> I was raised Catholic. It's too realistic. Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, I wish next? I'm Catholic when I watch that movie because it would be that much scarier to it's me. Terrifying. Hom Tolland, this is the question for you, John and Rob. Where do you guys get your Hot Toys figures from? 
I mean, I, I get them wherever you can get them. Um, there was a, what's the one in Burbank? The like TV time or TV history, yeah, or, uh, or time travel box or golden. Well, I can't remember the name yeah. of it, but I, I got it from there. But then the best place around LA to get one of them now is Frank and Sons. Frank and Sons, and also looks, you order yours. Yeah, Sideshow is the North American distributor for Hot Toys, but if you want to get them first, there are places like. Toys Wonderland, yep. which is in Hong Kong, Hong okay. Kong, Australia, they will ship them to you like the week they come out. We have to wait months to get them here in the States. All right, what's next? Chance sending in another huge super chat. You know, if if we if you see us in a brand new big studio, it's probably <laughs> it's chance, chance that financed it. That, so <laughs> I love that. A guy named Chance financing our lives. That's Aww. I love that. Uh, no, but seriously, Chance has been sending in a lot of support to the, the show lately. So, Chance, thank you so much for that, man. Appreciate you so much for that. And what does Chance have to say? Great Scott. Great Scott. I just got Marty McFly, Doc, and Biff Funko Pops from Back to the Future. Nice. I might be designed it for an episode of TLC's My Strange Addiction at this point. LOL. Mm -hmm. Anyways, sending much love in this crazy time. This Okay, so this is the thing, though. Look, I, we always tell people, if you're going to buy hot toys, just be careful. Because once you get your first hot toy, you're going to put it on there and go, that looks damn sweet. And then before you know it, you're dipping into your kid's college fund. Uh, you're you're not able to pay rent. Dude, a Coke habit yeah. is less dangerous than yes, a hot toys addiction. <laughs> but that being said, what makes these suckers even more dangerous is they seem really cheap. Uh, yeah. This was 12 bucks, man. They actually cost less than like any combo meal from any fast food place. Right Probably, now. yeah. <laughs> so then all of a sudden you think, well, it's just 12 bucks. <laughs> Funko Pops. It used to be nine bucks. That's why me and Dennis have a big BK from Wendy's. Yeah. Yeah, you can still find them for 10 bucks here and there or whatever. But you're like, okay, this is like 12, 13 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever. And then you have 300 of them. <laughs> And you're Back like, forward. wait, I thought I had money to go on vacation this year. <laughs> and then it's like, that's the dangerous part of these ones is that their their inexpensiveness can sneak up and bite you on the ass. So just be careful because then you're going to end up like me with several hundred of them and it's a, it's, it becomes a little bit of a problem. All right, what's next? But again, thank you, Chance, for that. Very, very, very much, dude. Appreciate it, man. Jay Master, John, have you seen Disney added ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries here in the U.S. on Disney Plus and ABC shows, too? I love the Obi-Wan poster. I'm so excited. Um, I did not know. First of all, the ESPN 30 for 30 docs great. are wonderful, like absolutely fantastic. You should check them out. I did. Like, I've always still had access to them because I have ESPN. I didn't realize they added that to their stuff. That's a good move. Disney Plus needs to start expanding their content offerings, but... Uh, I had already seen them. If you guys never had a chance to check it, even if you're not a sports person, their documentaries are made so well, made by some of the best filmmakers too. You should check some of them out. Thanks for pointing that out, man. All right, what's next? Matt, been watching old AMC movie talk clips. John Schnepp, don't know how to spell it. He is the goat and always missed. You should have had. Uh, you should have Dennis, Greg Alba, Scott Mance on more as on more as guests. They are awesome. First of all, yes, Dennis. Well, you, Dennis is one of my oldest friends in. Uh, in LA. Greg is wonderful. Ann and I joke that he is our son from the future, travel back in time. Greg is what I love that guy. He's Filipino Italian. Oh. Well, so there that's you go. why we joke that he is our he's our he's son a, from the he's future. He's a really nice you know, guy. I love Greg. He's yeah, great. He's great. And uh and Scott. What can you say about Scott? We love Scott, Scott Mance and I've I've been on a Star Trek podcast and I will be on again soon. And he's of course been on the John Campus show a number of times. Yeah. It's gonna be more difficult now because we do the show in person. Uh, and we don't do it, but 
That doesn't mean we can't like uh, call up Greg for a quick five minute segment about his thought on a particular topic or Dennis. And I, I'll, I'll get Dennis to come out here to do a, a couple of episodes with us. But yes, those, those three guys are awesome. All right. Uh, oh, oh, no, I got to interrupt real quick. Just because I just want to say that they're assholes and they're actually not that great. No, <laughs> there, no, no, no there was an um, issue yesterday that I've been go going over with some guy, but there was a, a lady named Angela who actually sent in a super chat. I mentioned that. Um, did I mention off the top of today's show or yesterday's yesterday show, show that I and I mentioned this on yesterday's show that I realized I found out afterwards that Angela Dashner, who's a longtime viewer of our show, she also sent in a hundred dollar super chat, mm -hmm. but it completely disappeared. Yeah, because screen stream well, elements is doing wacky it, stuff. It was yeah. it was just gone. Even, I even went back and reviewed it afterwards, and it's not, it's not in there at all. Her, but people sent me screenshots that she actually sent one in. And we apologize. That yeah, we and her question that. was: her and her husband, who are fans of the show want some valentine's day movie recommendations Ooh. so we can take a little time just to give her maybe what what you guys would actually recommend yeah. yes okay so i've got it the, the, first of all angela great question and we were sorry that for some reason we, we got you missed there because you are one of our long-term viewers um so uh there's a great movie called showgirls and I think that is the no. I take that back. <laughs> I was about to stand up. I was about to applaud you. I was about to go, John. Would you like to borrow my 4K disc of it? Um, and oh my God, somebody in the live chat just put in exactly what Paul uh, Gibbons said exactly what I was going to say. Honestly, um, Princess Bride. Mm -hmm. I think Princess Bride is a wonderful Valentine's Day movie. I I love that. Um, and a movie we've been talking a little bit about recently, Return to Me. Uh, Return to Me with David Duchovny yeah. and uh, Mini Driver. Mini Driver. Oh, it's a beautiful love film. Love Carol uh, Connor. You got one? I got two. Oh, okay. hit us. One is a movie that I don't think people watch enough, and it stars Blake Lively. Savages? Age, Age of Adeline. Savages oh, is my go-to Valentine's. Age of Adeline. Savages is a total go-to Valentine's movie. For me, if you want two movies, watch Amelie if you've never seen it, and Age of Adeline. Mm -hmm. I like Age They're, of Adeline. Age of Adeline is so good. Harrison Ford's in it. Yep. Anthony and Gruber, the young Harrison Ford, is in it. Mm -hmm. But Blake Lively, and it is romantic, and it, it is a fantasy, and it's lovely. Here, look, I'm going to say this, too. Um, Blake Lively, there are some people... And I think this has happened to Brad Pitt. I think it's happened to Scarlett Johansson. There are some people who are so good looking that it actually distracts you from how good of a performer they are. Blake Lively, I think, is one of those. Obviously, she's stunningly beautiful. She's absolutely beautiful. You will but... love her in Age of Adeline. Oh, no, she's great she's in Age her. of Adeline. I, but she is truly a wonderful performer. And I think there's two things that keep people from realizing just how good she is. One is look you look at her and you're just instantly taken from, from how beautiful she is sure but the other thing is and this is unfortunate is that she's married to that reynolds asshole she's married to, to ryan reynolds who is of course the if if not the then one of the top two biggest movie stars in the world who's also a very good looking man who's also i think another guy who people miss just how good he is because all they think is deadpool they never saw buried yeah. Which I think he should have had an academy legitimately or definitely maybe. Mm, which so I also think there could maybe. be an argument he maybe could have gotten. I like definitely that. maybe. But I, I think she's married to one of the biggest movie stars in the world. So but you add on top of the fact that she's so naturally beautiful. Then she's got one of the biggest movie stars in the world for her husband. I think she gets overlooked, by the way. Simple favor. Oh my so God! Good. If you have not watched a simple favor, but not for Valentine's Day. Not for Valentine's no, 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 no. Day. Simple so favor is not a Valentine's Day movie. No. Not at all. But yes, I wholeheartedly get behind Rob's uh, 
thing on that. You know my recommendation has got to be the terminal, and also. <laughs> surprise me it's so good <laughs> and also that one movie on netflix with uh ali ali wong in the definitely make no, yeah. always, be, always my be my main always be my main yeah, so good yeah uh, those two sells. movies keanu reeves is so good in that uh, so good and i always forget asian film. jim's name pa park oh, randall, uh, randall park. Park. Oh my god! Oh my god! Asian so, Jim. That, that's what he is. On, you haven't. That's right. You've never seen The Office. Uh, but I know who Asian Jim okay, is. Okay, good. You're, you're about to see The Office. I know things about pop yeah. culture. I've, I understand Seinfeld. I know who the characters are. I've never okay. seen when it. Harry Met Sally is a classic. When Harry Met Sally is a classic. Princess Bride. I vote for because those were my. That was the reading at my wedding. Was Princess nice. Bride. Um. I always recommend for people to do this is pick out a food that you want to do and eat along with. So you cook everything that's in the movie. So Chef is a really great movie for that. Oh, Chef's that's so also good for like that. I Stand By Chef has like the sexiest sex scene in it because it's just food. It's just Scarlett Johansson eating pasta and you're like, yeah, bitch. I, <laughs> it's not I know better than the sex scene in nine and a half weeks. But this is a food. I mean, this is a food. It's a food. That's what food. I forgot about the food one on that. All right. Well, listen, we gotta we're almost out of time here, so let's rush through the next uh, couple ones that we have here. All right. Josie Reviews. Gun definitely played with my emotions this episode of Peacemaker. Damn also, right. I think Abadeo's might uh, Abadeo's uh, might girlfriend might have a secret. Her girlfriend might have a secret. It's her it's, wife. First of all, that's her wife. Um, secondly, you know what? I First two episodes of Peacemaker, I kept waiting. The girl who's dancing at the front, who does the double efforts. I'm like, when's she gonna show up? And it wasn't. I was like, oh, the third episode. I'm like, it, that's, that's the wife. wife. I totally, totally. You're right. She's dancing at the front. Mm -hmm. And she's the one who dropped the Gotham. She's the one who dropped Gotham. I think we're gonna find out there's something to her. Mm -hmm. I think we are, and it might, might have something to do with. Amanda Waller putting her in her daughter's life. Yeah. I hope not, but oh my God, That's they might I go that too. way. Okay, what's next? Spencer Smothers, shut up and take my money, Hulu. Future Alma is getting a new season on Hulu <laughs> and I can't wait. Hopefully it does well so we get more than one season. I get. I wish I could act like I was super excited. I'm not, but you know what? I'm going to give it a shot and let's see how it turns out. I'm glad it's you're fine. excited for it, Spencer. Fine. All right, what's next? More? Hi, John and crew. The last episode of Peacemaker was straight fire. Just saw the new Jurassic trailer. Didn't know this. Uh, this is the end of the Jurassic story. Here's the thing. I saw that in the trailer, but just a week ago, the producer was saying there's more Jurassic Park coming. So, uh, yeah, in 65 million years, when dinosaurs really have taken over, <laughs> they've evolved into the dominant species on Earth. Yeah. And there's a new Statue of Liberty. All right, what's next? Seconds from Disaster. Hey, can't be a fam. I love the new trailer for Jurassic World uh, Dominion. So happy they gave some of the raptors feathers since they were a bird of prey. Love the show. Yeah, I, that was going to be huge. You know Dr. Grant is going to lose his mind oh, yeah. feathers on them. By right? the way, can I give a shout out to Universal for making their, their logo, the Universal Studios logo was in amber. That was really cool. That was really cool. And even just when the Jurassic logo came up as well, they did in amber. That was a really, really nice touch. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? Ron Frazier. Images are good, but how will the story be? One thing, where's the beard on that dwarf woman? <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> that is a fair point. A I fair was point. like, um, come on now. Okay, yeah, but remember, Ron, remember, this show is still, what What are we saying, seven months away? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, we'll get story. That'll come. We are still, a, I'm still surprised they're going to show us a teaser mm -hmm. on Sunday. I, I still think it's too early for that, but they're going to. 
but re let's remember this is sh a show that is still a long ways off they have a lot of time to start letting us know little story bets and, and we'll get there ron we'll get there by the way ron another long-term viewer of, uh, of our show good to have you here man all right what's sam next? fisher are we not going to talk about the futurama revival I, yeah, I, yeah <laughs> it's, it's, um, I, I, I just don't okay but listen it was always the lesser known little cousin to the simpsons it it had mixed results it was never watched by it was never a ratings darling and again there are episodes of it that i think are all-time classic yeah yeah but for every one of those there's two or three that were meh so I don't, how did you feel about futurama it's fine you know i i, I am not the guy to ask about sci-fi parody funny stuff it's I take my science fiction too seriously. I yeah, and freely, you like Zap Brannigan. It, it's a Captain it's a shortcoming of mine. What it's are you, a shortcoming. Did you ever watch uh, Futurama? No, no, I didn't. That's I'm funny. sorry. It strikes me as the type of show that you would have watched. No, I'm just Bob's Burgers, South Park, and like I I started watching this new show called My Fair, Little Pony? Fairview. Oh, Fairview. Okay, it's right after South Park, but I fell asleep, so I'll give my review <laughs> on that later. You fall asleep in animated series? They're only 22 minutes. I know. All right, what's next? John Redcorn, like you, John, I've never celebrated when a movie flops hard, except Doolittle. When that flopped hard, no lie, I was laughing hard. Well, I, I, first of all, I don't, I don't blame you. That movie is awful, but I want every movie to do well. Me like too. even when they're terrible. I hope other people like it and I hope it does well because there are people who, hey, maybe the results didn't work for me, but there are people who poured for years their blood, sweat, and tears into those projects and I want it to do well even if I hate it and I want other people to like it even if I hate it because we all want to have a good time and I, I want other people to have a good time so I can feel jealous because I didn't. So, uh, but I but I do not blame you for that, John. I do not blame you for that. All right, what's next? Game Major, the show just won't die. Futurama, how, <laughs> who, why? I gotta admit, it did also catch me by surprise. I'm like, yeah. really, why revisit that one? But I guess somebody was willing to put up the money. It's come back more times than Darth Maul. <laughs> it, it has, in <laughs> fact, that's a perfect analogy. All right, what's next? It's Double McShave, Lord of the Rings picture in water is probably fall of Numenor. Numenor. Yeah, that's been kind of alluded to a little yeah. bit before, so you could very well be right on the money with that, Stubble. All right, what's next? John Redcorn, I also laughed when Matrix flopped. Awful films. Well, look, hey, first of all, you know, you know, I, I want people to have a good time for movies I don't like. Robert Meyer Burnett, ladies and gentlemen. I did. Yeah. He, had a, he liked Matrix. And Dude, I, I'm also a Jupiter Ascending apologist. <sighs> but you're not really, right? Like, that's kind of more ironically that you defend Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending right? rules. It's oh a Disney God. princess movie. It's an anime. If, it's an, if, if it was an anime movie, people would love it. If it was an anime. <sighs> they oh, would. I hate right. you so much right now because probably, yes. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. That's. I'll just say I'm glad you liked it. I wish I had. I wish I could have too. All right, what's next? Exhaust Kings. One of my fave movies of all time is Mike Myers' Cat in the Hat. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why it's so hated. What's your guys' thoughts on this ultimate stinker classic? Uh, listen, I'll tell you what. I didn't mind it, but I never watched it again. Yeah. Like I watched, it, it was like okay. I didn't think it was the total trash. No, but heap, like Love Guru was, but I thought it was all right. I, I don't disagree with you. But I would never, there's no reason for me in my yeah. mind to ever watch it again. Not like, say, um, Jim Carrey's The Grinch, oh, which I can watch that perfect. every year. Yeah, I watch I that do. every year. All right, what's next? All right, now we just got some Super Chat support. Brian Surway, Black Bonolella, and Brad Jobson. Thank you guys so much for just sending in your support. That's really sweet of you. Thank you guys for doing that. And guys, that'll do it.
for today's installment of the John Camby Show. Thank you guys so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big thanks to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel as you did, and all of us involved with the John Camby Show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. want to thank everybody in the room here with me. Rob's right over here. Rob, where can people find you? Looking for planetary intercourse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter, Burnett RM. Find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work. Of course, Ray Ora is right here. Ray? Ray Ora with a zero. Let's go. And Chris Carr. At actor Chris Carr on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys can simply follow me on Instagram and Twitter just at John Campia. That'll do it for us for today, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.